The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. That's a funny cigar. It's not bad, right? That's really nice. Foundation Cigars, shout out mm. to them. What's up, Mike Baker? How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. What do you got in those pa- pieces of paper to scare the shit out of me with? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> yes. I you got, got notes. I, I got notes, because you know why? Because I'm always being accused of, uh, of, of wandering. Not being as organized as I should be. That's right? just this podcast does that to people. Yeah, maybe so. But I, I said to myself, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write some things down." Okay. Because there's so much has happened since the last time we sat down. Yeah. And so, in fact, I made a list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through that if you don't mind. Okay. Um, since last show, see, I even headlined it. Uh, Chinese spy balloon, failed mutiny in Russia, four indictments of Trump. Now, last night was the fourth. Um, Bank account records showing the Biden family took over $20 million. Um, Pee Wee Herman died. Um, <laughs> Glad you got that in your notes. I got that. I, I actually, I, yeah, I've got it. It's right there. And it's right before um, the two-year anniversary of the Afghan withdrawal. I probably should have put that Why above Why did you put Pee Wee Herman. Herman in there? You know what? Because I did... Yeah, when, when I found out that Paul Rubens died, I was sad. I mean, it was, it was like... I, I, I'm old enough. I actually went to a, a, a show that... Uh, Paul did what when he was kind of working out his Pee Wee character, right? And oh, really? So, and it was fantastic. It was when a was great this? show. This was, oh fuck, it was years ago. So it would have been uh, before I. It was probably like eighty. Shit, eighty two, eighty three, eighty one, oh, somewhere wow. in that time frame, right? It was a long time ago. It was at uh, Georgetown University in D.C. and uh, and it was a great show. Anyway, point thing. <laughs> And then, and I always thought like he didn't get enough credit for like Pee Wee's Playhouse, and I know that people are like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" But, <laughs> but, but he was he was really he was a, he was a, he was a good guy. He kind of got he got off the rails with the a uh, little bit for a period of time with that he was he was uh, wanking in uh, in a porn theater. Yeah, but isn't that what they do in those things? Especially a gay porn theater. I guess. Yeah, it's got to sound weird, right? The kids though. Yeah. Like, porn theater. What? I know. Yeah. yeah. That's they used to have to go to places. You had to. I don't. I, I don't know if you yeah. had to. Back when he was doing it, I don't think there was a law. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, back when he was doing it, there were still VHS tapes were out. Um, I think DVDs were out back then too, because this was like, I want to say he got busted in like ninety something. Yeah, yeah. It was it was e- easily ninety one. Okay, yeah. yeah. So definitely VHS tapes were. That was back yeah. when you had to go through the curtains or laser discs like, or remember, something. Like yes. there's beads. Yeah. These kids today, they don't know jack shit. They're getting their porn yeah. off of a phone. Well, that's just it. I don't think they don't have an appreciation for how hard you had to work back in certainly seventies yeah. and eighties. I mean, you got easier by the time the nineteen nineties rolled around. But it was you had you had to you had to go on like a uh, like a quest or something. Yeah, you had to, you you know, had to be shamed. Yeah. There what it is, is it? What is it that you see? Simple facts: What happened Friday night in Ruben's hometown of Sarasota, Florida, are familiar by now. According to the county sheriff's office, three detectives—they <laughs> said it, three guys—to catch people jerking off at the Triple X South Trail Cinema to watch the audience that was watching a triple bill of Catalina Five O Tiger Shark, Nurse Nancy, and Turn Up the Heat. After the sting operation had hauled in three men on charges of violating Florida State Statute 800.03, exposure of sexual organs. 
Detective William wow. Walters allegedly saw a man masturbate, in quotes. That's how the rap sheet spells it. it spells it wrong. Mm. Instead of er, it says E. Um, <laughs> in the darkened theater at 8.25 p.m. and again at 8.35. Twice. He caught yeah. him twice. Yeah. The first, the first sighting wasn't enough. You had to go back to get a Meanwhile, the guy's second. got amazing recovery powers. Yeah. 8.25, <laughs> he blasts off, and then he's back at it at 8.35. That's a fucking stud right there. Yeah, and that was before Viagra. Place under, I don't know if that's true. When did Viagra come around? Uh, uh, placed under arrest up. upon leaving the theater, the alleged offender quietly told the detectives his famous pseudonym and, according to the police, made a novel Pee-wee-esque attempt at a buy-off. <laughs> he offered to perform at a children's benefit for the sheriff's <laughs> office if the charges were dropped. Ah. A department spokesperson said that the deputies did not feel at the time they had enough probable cause to char charge Rubens with attempted bribery. Well, is that bribery, really, when you say mm. you're going to perform at an event? Eh. Isn't it money only bribery? It's kind of, no, it's, it's, you're bartering. You're Anything? Bartering. Yeah. Like if someone says, I'll suck your cock. Yeah. That's bribery. A uh, local reporter recognized Ruben's name on the arrest sheet the next day. Within hours, the scandal machinery was roaring at full uh, throttle. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then, he, you know what he did? Okay, so everybody makes mistakes. Um, but then he recovered. And you know he went on to to. Uh, it's a fairly yeah. harmless crime. First yeah. of all, if you're in a porn theater, I think you should assume that those dudes with raincoats on are beaten off. Yeah, you know, I mean, just you're wearing rubber gloves in there, and like those things are disgusting. And if to be people fair, don't recognize, like I never went into one of those, <laughs> so I'm just on anecdotes. But I would imagine, like, porn theaters are fucking gross. You'd have to, you'd have to think so, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, a regular theater's bad enough. Your feet stick to the floor, yeah. and, and that's just from the Pepsi. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, porn theater. I got to tell you, and, and uh, honestly, the, the Nurse Nancy was an underrated film, I think. Uh, so yeah, there was that. Um, so that's Paul Rubens. That's Pee Wee Herman. He died. I, I, I just made a note because I thought. My friend Phil yeah. Hartman worked with him. That's how he oh. kind of got his start in show business on Pee Wee's That's Playhouse. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was on Pee Wee's Playhouse. He was one of the writers for Pee Wee's Playhouse. I'll be damned. Yeah, yeah he always spoke very highly of Pee Wee. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved that show when I was a kid. Yeah. It was hilarious. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a fucking amazing yes, movie. Exactly. And that was, uh, when did that come out? That was, um, that was like, uh, I want to say 80. Yeah, 89. Yeah. 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 Well, I was dating this girl. I remember specifically the girl that I was dating at the time that I was dating, like right around I was graduating high school, because we were crying laughing. Yeah. It was so funny. Like back then, it was so unique. Don't forget to tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fucking movie. Yeah, I took. I, I remember I took a date to Pee Wee's uh, show, his comedy show, and uh, I mean the place was rolling. Right? It was. He he really was. It was. A, it was a. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, cat. But anyway, I like that uh, I'm seeing that side of you, Mike Baker. Yeah, the Pee Wee yeah. Herman. Pee Wee Herman. I still have a, uh, you know, the, a pair of his. Uh, this is gonna sound weird. Signed big underpants. <laughs> <laughs> I kept them all these years because they're so fucking funny. And uh, yeah, I'll give them to one of my boys. I'm not sure yeah. which one. Yeah, maybe put it in a museum somewhere. <laughs> Probably worth a lot of money one day. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where we go from Pee Wee Herman. We um, go from. That to whatever notes you got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything uh, else crazy? Yeah, well, um, we're going to unfreeze a lot of money um, for uh, the Iran uh, prisoner swap. That's that's another story. But we could start with the Chinese spy balloon since I, I don't know why yeah. I started there first. So 
What is your take on the Chinese spy balloon? Um, they well, said that Trump, that there was a bunch of those that were happening while Trump was in office, but they didn't tell him about it because they were worried he was going to shoot him down, <laughs> which I thought was fucking amazing. <laughs> that might, you know what? I, I'm not going to, at this stage of the game, I'm not going to say anything doesn't sound plausible. Everything sounds plausible nowadays. Yeah. So um, the Chinese regime continues, just like with the fucking Wuhan lab, the Chinese regime continues to just say it was a weather balloon. Right, it got blown off course. It was a weather balloon. Well, a it didn't get blown off course. It had a massive array of propellers. It had a rudder. It had solar panels to keep those propellers churning. They knew exactly what they were doing and where they were going. Um, and you know, it shows up over whatever Alaska on the end of January, whenever, and uh, proceeds to travel across the country in a path that is clearly designed to you know, collect intelligence from sensitive facilities, right? It flies over Montana. Um, it What's flies in over, Montana? Uh, a lot, but there's uh, Malmstrom uh, Air Force Base, and that's uh, it's part of our, our where we put our land-based nukes. Right? What part of uh, Montana is that in? Yeah, um, the northern part, uh, if you Close to Canada? Yeah. yeah, not, well, a little further south than Canada, but it's, it's, it's like the top quarter, I guess. I think that's right. Um, and it is about 150 or so, um, you know, uh, silo-based nukes there. Um, there so there it is. So that's the base. Yeah. And so it was flying over that. Flying over, flying over Malmstrom. Um, and so they were aware of it. The Air Force base was aware of it. Um, they by the time, yeah. And look, it's not as if we're not, you know. Uh, taking measures or countermeasures to prevent uh, surveillance because the Chinese have spy satellites, very technical, very, very advanced. So we know how to protect communications. We know how to protect, and we also know what's available, right? So satellite imagery is going to give you a fair amount of information anyway. So the, the question is, okay, well, what, why the hell was this thing, which was as tall as the Statue of Liberty, why was it floating around up there with an array of antennas, obviously there to, to collect? Um, but it went over there. It went over uh, uh, Omaha, or near Omaha, uh, where we've got uh, U.S. Uh, Strategic Command uh, and Ofit uh, Air Force Base. Um, and you know, the, the the U.S. government, the military, was like, "Well, we don't believe." After the fact, after we shot it down, they're like, "We don't believe that it was uh, collecting." You know, and we took measures to prevent it from collecting. And not only that, we didn't shoot it down at the beginning because we were monitoring its capabilities and, and learning from that. Now, part of that is true, right? If you've got a target, you identify a target, unlike with law enforcement in the intelligence world, you, you let that run, right? Because you want to learn everything you can about that target. You know, who's there to support it? What, what is, you know, what's that how do look they like? Learn, how do they know that? Can they figure out what it's transmitting? Can they, can they tune into it? Um, it most, yes, most of it's signals intelligence and, and capabilities. It's not really imagery that you're getting from it, although that's part of it. Um, but, you know, so I have no doubt that, you know, because everyone was saying, well, why don't we just shoot the fucker down when it showed up over Alaska on the, whenever, the 28th of January, and, or when we became aware of it um, initially. And, you know, because we live in a, you know, this highly partisan world, everybody was saying, well, because Biden's inept and, you know, they didn't know what they were doing and they let it float all the way across the states. So you can't discount the argument that says, well, part of it is we let it go because we were gathering intelligence ourselves from their capabilities. It's always interesting to know. It's just like when we, 
I, here I go disappearing down a rabbit hole. When we lost that uh, platform, that air asset, uh, during the Abbottabad raid, right? Um, and we had to leave it behind. And they destroyed, you know, to the degree they could, uh, everything that was in it of, of interest. But the platform itself was of interest, right? It was, it was, because the two things that are important nowadays are stealth and speed. And that was, you know, that was, there was a stealth design involved there. And there's also material science that's interesting. So left it behind um, after they bagged uh, bin Laden, literally. And um, then uh, three days later, uh, the, the Pakistanis had invited uh, the Chinese to come in. And they were swarming all over that helicopter, right, gathering intelligence. So you always, if you have the opportunity to observe a target, I guess, like I said, you know, then you do. And you, you can gain intelligence from. So I'm not one of those people who said, I oh, should have shot it down immediately because I don't know what they were getting from it. But I do know that the purpose of the balloon was to gather intelligence uh, on us, on our sensitive facilities to some degree. So anyway, uh, and then they, they sent all the remains after they recovered them off the coast of South Carolina to wherever Quantico. Uh, and that was kind of the last we ever heard of it, right? Because we've all got attention deficit disorder. Nobody wants to, you know, think, okay, what did we learn? Can we do a hot wash on it and figure out? And, and to what degree can you tell the public what the hell was going on? Right? Because honestly, I, you know, I don't know that we ever would have learned about it if it hadn't been so large and, you know, members of the public hadn't seen it or spotted right. it. So, what altitude you know. was it hovering around at? Mm. It went to, it cut a path through a couple of other bases, Minot and uh, uh, I forget where else it was to the, to the south of there. But it, it, um, the fact that it hovered uh, over a period of time over Malmstrom, right, is really all you need to know, right? Because <laughs> if, if it's a weather balloon, you know, it, so it, it doesn't, I guess one point being, you know, we never really pushed the Chinese regime under Xi for anything, right? We haven't, we haven't forced the hand on, on the pandemic. And we're going to have another pandemic. So it would be nice to know what the fuck actually happened, right? Not to disappear. Why melon. do you think we're going to have another pandemic? Everybody keeps saying that. Yeah, well, because... It's very disconcerting. We haven't had yeah. one in 100 years. Not a legitimate one. Well, you know, you know, um, not to uh, toot my own horn, which I guess, you know, that would be an interesting thing if you could do that. But... Um, I, I, it was a few years back when we were talking, and I said, you know, we'll have a, the next big thing will be a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And someone had pointed that out to me. I'd, I'd forgotten about it, but they sent it to me. And so my point back then and the point now is that it's just it's bound to happen, right? We're an increasingly shrinking globe. There's more people. We're in, in contact. We're, you know, with everything that goes on, right, whether it's in a natural-based or just what we're doing in, in, in biotech and pharma, it's bound to happen. And so I guess you'd think that if we were serious-minded, we would demand answers. And we wouldn't just allow the Xi regime to just shrug it off constantly, right? I mean, you know that there would be a massive uh, debrief on this whole situation if it happened in the U.S. or the U.K. or, you know, started in Australia or wherever, mm -hmm. right? The rest of the world wouldn't let it go. But there's just some, there's something about it. We, just, we never push the Chinese regime to the degree that we need to to get an answer and and it's and so the the point being it's the same with the damn balloon is it because we don't think we'll ever get an answer and it's kind of a waste of time because it's not like they're transparent part, part yeah yeah they I think would that's just it. not tell us the truth yeah i think that's that's part of it it's like doing business in china um 
if you're investing in 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 a, a pseudo state-owned enterprise or whatever, you always know there's going to be three or four or five sets of books, right? It's always there's they're just very good at obfuscating, and they also think they don't need to answer. We don't care. They don't. They don't care. And G believes that they are still on, despite some problems in their economy. They're still on the slow march to the top of the food chain. So he he certainly doesn't care. Um, anyway, do you yeah. think anything would be different if someone else was in office? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say if we got you know if Trump or you know a Republican was in office that we'd get a different result. I don't think so. We've we've had. It's sort of an unsatisfactory relationship related to China for decades. Right? We just uh, we haven't uh, no administration has really pushed back appropriately against their theft of economic intelligence or research and development or whatever. So, so all those things keep happening, and we never make the effort. Right? I mean, look at the, some of the things they're doing now. I've gotten bizarrely focused on the issue of of. Uh, We've talked about this before, of critical minerals, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I find really interesting is this push towards uh, uh, net zero, you know, carbon production and getting rid of fossil fuels, stopping fossil fuels. Well, you can't stop fossil fuels um, and uh, regulate mining out of existence at the same time. You've got you've got to do one or the other to um, to fuel you know, production to fuel manufacturing, to heat people's homes, to produce whatever you're going to produce. And so if we want to get rid of fossil fuels, by definition, you have to increase mining of critical minerals. There's just no way, no way around it. You, if you do both, which the Biden administration is basically trying to do, I think they're placating their, their base by, yeah, we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. And they're also making um, decisions that are over-regulating the permitting process for mining and we have a lot of critical minerals available in this country, right? We got, you know, lithium, phosphate, which should be on the critical minerals list. We got all these things that, that we, we need if we're going to continue to march away from fossil fuels. But the current administration just keeps uh, under this theory of keeping in the ground, right? And so, and that's a big push by environmentalists, right? Keep it all in the ground. Right, lock it up. But how do they? The only way to do that is to keep allowing what's essentially slave labor to extract cobalt and and things from the Congo. Right, and you, you've talked about this, and it absolutely. Siddharth Kara's yeah. book is insane. Yeah, and the videos that he got when he was, you know, he risked his life to, to get footage of this stuff in the Congo. It's right. It's horrendous, and anybody thinks that in any way that that's a good solution to our problems is is fucking insane well but that's where that's where this is going if if the u.s continues and and this is where i'll, I'll bring china in and by the way china uh they own or operate i think it's like 15 of the 19 cobalt mines in in uh the democratic republic of the congo so it doesn't matter whether they're leading the way and china controls 30 of the 50 critical minerals anyway. They produce more than anybody else. They certainly control the refining process for most of the critical minerals. But it doesn't matter whether they're mining it in their own country. They've also been busy locking up opportunities elsewhere, right, to, to control these things. And so, you know, there's, there's very little pushback. But if you, if you, look, at, at, uh, if you look at one case, because we've talked about cobalt, we've talked about lithium, which is here we could be mining, but, you know, the government's you know, shutting down opportunities to do that, either by 
declaring things off limits in terms of the land area or just making the permitting process so damn difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, phosphate, I mentioned that as an example, I, I got disappeared down some rabbit hole looking at all of this. It's not on the critical minerals list, right? And there's 50 critical minerals. Now, phosphate, along with two other things, uh, nitrogen and pot, uh, potassium, are the key nutrients that you use for fertilizers, right? To feed the world, not just the U.S., right? You, you can't do mass farming, right? And everybody wants to grow local, but the reality is, is it's a lot of people, right? And if you want, you know, the, the, the least privileged people around the globe to eat, you got to do large-scale farming. You can't do that without phosphate, right? And so China is the number one producer of phosphate in the world, and I think Russia is fourth. And they produce like five times more combined, five times more than we do in the U.S. And yet there is significant pushback here in the U.S., in part because it fits a Chinese narrative. And the Chinese have decided, the regime has, again, not the people, the Chinese regime has decided that one of the best ways to get what they want in terms of U.S. behavior is not to try to influence, you know, the White House, but it's to reach out to local and state officials so here's where I'm going with this. When you look at, at decisions made at state level or local level, the Chinese regime and, and the, the uh, ODNI, the Director of National Intelligence, released a report, and they talked about this. They said the, the, the Chinese are doubling down on their efforts to exert influence through a variety of means, um, environmental groups, um, encouraging litigation right, against mining operations or whatever it may be, um, social influencers to try to get a message out right, that influences local and state regulators to do things such as saying, no, got to keep it in the ground. You know? No, we don't want phosphate mining, as an example. Um, and that serves the purpose. Whether, whether an environmental group or whether a, uh, a group um, that's out there that, that focuses on these things and, and files lawsuits constantly for environmental purposes, and then, by the way, those, those lawyers you know, usually recoup their funds from you know, what is called the Endangered Species Act that allows them to get their money back. So you think, oh, wow, these lawyers are fighting and it's pro bono. No, it's not. They're getting paid. So, but they're doing it, whether they do it knowingly or whether they do it uh, unwittingly, it still serves the purpose of the Chinese regime, which is looking to say, keep it in the ground because we want to control all of this. And again, whether it's cobalt, whether it's lithium, whether it's phosphate, whatever it may be, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. But the, the point being that we can't pursue a green future and at the same time overregulate uh, the mining process. And uh, it just doesn't work. China has so much influence on America. It's, it's, it's crazy how different the playing field is between like what we're allowed to do. Like Americans can't own businesses in China. They can't own land in China. They can't buy property. But China can do all those things here, and they can influence our universities. They bring their students over here. Their students siphon up data and information, and oftentimes get caught. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of yeah, crazy. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they get caught, yeah. right? Yeah, there's been quite a few of those cases. There but, have been, but but, but the, you think about that's a, that's the tip of the iceberg, right? That's a, that's a that's a small number that. Because it's it's a, it's an incredibly heavy lift, right? A counterintelligence operation is is really tough, and so I look at that and I think, yeah, I'm, thank God we caught that person. 
But then you think, well, how many more are there out there? Right. So, That's the thing. It's like yeah. how many of them are just more careful? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is interesting. In a way, we used to talk about it during when, you know, when we were on the war on terror, right? And everybody's forgotten about that, you know, for the most part. Although we probably should talk a it's little bit about it. It's on the back about, burner. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's bubbling away in Afghanistan, which we should also talk about. But, but we used to talk about war on terror and how the, the terrorists were using our open society against us, right? Right. And, and, you know, the Chinese regime does the same thing, right? They understand, and they, they look at how we operate, and they say, okay, where's the, where's the, where's the weaknesses, right? Where are, the, where are the leverage points that we can use to turn that against them? And, you know, we, this, this idea, um, I mean, look, China produces more carbon than all the developed nations combined. Which is very important to talk about yeah. when people are talking about going green, because the amount of impact that it would happen, even if the United States went to zero, went to zero carbon output, you're not going to put a dent in what's happening oh. to the world. Because oh. most of it is coming from China and India. India, India, right. Yeah, right. That's most of it. So all this shit about don't eat meat because we're going to save the world, you're not saving jack shit. <laughs> no. I don't understand where that message is coming from or why there's not a nuanced perspective where people are taking into account all these other variables. Well, in part, uh, again... It doesn't um, fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative, but also there is this, this effort. Look, I mean, we, we talked, you know, there's... You remember the, uh, what was that called? Internet Research Agency, right? Yeah. It was, and so... It, we, the the potential for influence on the elections right yeah. back in the day, um, which wasn't that long ago, and the Chinese regime actually does it better than the Russians, right? They've got more resources, uh, they've got a much longer view. Um, frankly, they're more sophisticated, right? Um, and so sometimes you look at things and you think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why, you know, why are we, you know, acting in this way? And then you think, well. Because you've got like a, a local or a grassroots community activist group, right? And they're not they're not Chinese spies. They're not working, but they're the Chinese regime identifies them and says, you know what? If we can influence them, this is just pure you know propaganda or covert action campaign. If I can influence that activist group to go out and tell those whomever the city officials or the county commissioners or whatever that. This is bad, right? And this is we, we need to stop this, right? We shouldn't be mining for lithium in Nevada or wherever. Uh, we shouldn't be pursuing, you know, uh, logical steps to get, uh, you know, uh, control over the critical mineral supply chain issue, right? Um, why wouldn't you do that, right? It's it's smart activity on the part of the Chinese regime and the intel service there. So that part of it to me makes makes sense. The problem we have is that there's a lack of awareness, right? Now, there was a, again, this shows you I've been spending too much time reading on the ship, but I, I, I'm fascinated by this, this idea that we're trying to do two things that are completely opposed to each other. Stop fossil fuels and also keep critical minerals in the ground that we're going to need to pursue green energy. I, I did, that, that part is amazing, but I did actually write down. Well, but that is part of the problem with green energy is that it's not really green. Because you do have to mine, and when you do mine, yeah. there is consequences. There's consequences, and that's. But as I mean, as you pointed out, we, I mean, look, we we mine cleaner and safer than anybody else. 
And that's why there was a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually read a quote. This shows you. Look, see, I feel like I'm maturing. I've gotten You're more so organized. You're so prepared, Mike. I'm so I know, proud of you. I know. Look, this. See, I know. There, there have been times when you've been staring at me, thinking, "Where the fuck is he talking about?" Or is, is he going? Is he taking a nap? Um, so they had a hearing in, in Arizona not too long ago uh, about critical minerals, the issue of critical minerals, and the importance of them, and the importance of speeding up the permitting process. If we want, again, if we want to pursue a green future you got to do it and uh this guy congressman uh, i know i've got a note here gozar paul gozar from wherever arizona said and this is a quote the anti-mining actions by the biden administration hurt america's economy threaten our national security and push mineral production abroad eh, where environmental and labor standards pale in comp- comparison with our own right and that's absolutely correct. And, and again, you, you, all you have to do is look at what goes on in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane, but I don't see that we're going to walk that back, right? Because there's just there's too much pushback. And no matter what mineral you're talking about, I don't see that necessarily changing unless you get maybe a, a change in administration and then you get the effort to deregulate and then you speed up permitting. But at some point, we're going to be screwed. China... China recently uh, put the brakes on exporting a couple of minerals that are critical to producing mineral systems and solar panels, um, and they've done it that in the past, right? And it, that should be a clear signal to us that we got to change our thought process on all of this. But I, I'm, I'm not confident that will happen. So mm. anyway, yeah, I'm not confident either because it seems like that narrative is just in the American public. You know, the mining is bad, we need to go green, but they don't see the inconsistencies of taking those two positions at the same time. Same time. Well, they, they, yeah, the, the, the Republicans have never done a particularly good job of messaging, right? And they need, to, they need to get better at it. So, and I think they will. There's a few, there's a few bills passed around, apparently, um, that may help the situation. But uh, for now, I guess, you know, with, with China's kind of significant control over the minerals as it stands, um, we don't have any option other than to deal with them, right? In a, in a, and so no wonder we sometimes don't push back. And I guess that's where I was coming back around. You said, well, why don't we push back or how we, you know, this, uh, we, we don't have that much leverage right now. So I think that's part of the answer. Mm. Well, uh, there's also, we need a push for nuclear. We're yeah. legitimate new nuclear power plants in this country which is it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around because of three mile island and fukushima but that is the safest cleanest electricity that we can generate in this country well you would think that that would be a logical it's not a big leap right but you're right that you people are so emotive right yeah and they still you can say three mile island and they Everybody knows, right? right? I mean, and most people can't retain a lot of information about historical facts. Chernobyl, Fukushima. Chernobyl, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and we've gotten better at safety systems and redundancies, right? So, absolutely. But you know, it's a, people talk about why well, we got to expand uh, nuclear energy. And when well, you and look right. at the deaths from nuclear, they're so small, just in comparison to the chronic illness that comes from coal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we watched this documentary on this uh, one town. Was it? Is it Indian Indiana, Jamie? That one town? Yeah, where there's multiple coal plants near the area, and these people have like a fine dusting of particulate in their cars every day. 
So they're breathing this air yeah. that has this coal particulate. That's it. And there's a host of chronic illnesses that are coming yeah. with this. So many people have respiratory conditions. Yeah, and yeah, but and 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 we have been we've been busy trying to shut down you know use of coal and 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 fine. But you got to replace it with something that's 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 pragmatic, right? And right now, solar and wind isn't going to cut it, right? And it we're going to seems people yeah. exaggerate about the efficiency and efficacy of solar and wind. They really do love to sort of exaggerate how how effective it is, and also yeah. how much energy it takes to generate a windmill just to build one and maintain it right and and also what going green is going to mean to the grid system right and the right. demand for electricity and right, all the cars and yes that and was a thing in california they said by 2035 yeah. we're not going to sell any internal combustion engines also don't charge your car because it's hot out <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> everybody stay home california stay home. Yeah. Oh, God. It is the test case for stupidity. Yeah. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, the, the current governor is going to, you know, throw his hat in the ring. And I think can, he yeah. is. You think so? Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm an armchair uh, conspiracy theorist. But uh, if I had to guess, I would say that all this stuff that's coming out slowly but surely about Biden is on purpose. And they want they want to get rid of him. I think he wants to run again, and I don't mm. think the Democrats think that he can win. I think they're right, and I think they're gonna slowly but surely expose more of these uh, like very clear pieces of evidence of corruption. Yeah, yeah. The twenty million dollars is fucking bananas. The fact that this isn't all over the New York Times and the Washington Post and mainstream news that they're not blaring it from the rooftops because you know they would be if it was Trump. Oh, absolutely. Or really any, you know, any, it wouldn't matter, Trump or, or whomever would be on the GOP side. Yeah. Um, no, look, I've got a, I've got a uh, intelligence and investigations firm. You may have heard of them. I do. Yeah, 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 Portman Square Group, uh, for all your information and security needs. And um, You've changed the name a couple of times, huh? <laughs> Just Where avoiding bill be? collectors. So. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and uh, but I've got investigators, great people. That's that's the, the most been most rewarding thing about building a business is just the wonderful people that you eventually get to work with, and they raise families and they stick with you. And um, so I've got some investigators that I guess the point is they could have wrapped this puppy up uh, some time ago, right? It's an asset tracing exercise is what they're engaged in, and you know maybe they'll maybe they'll stay focused, maybe they'll keep going. But when you've got an asset tracing exercise, you've got a, a myriad of, of single-purpose companies set up, you know, around there. Um, first of all, when you look at a, at, a, at a case and you say, we've got 20-plus single-purpose companies set up here for pass-through of funds, that's yeah, what we would call a clue about money laundering, right? That's, that's why you do that, right? Whole, uh, to hide beneficial ownership, um, to hide the flow of funds and transactions that are involved, to, to obfuscate and make it difficult for the obvious because they, their feeling is yeah, most people will maybe dig once or twice, but then they'll get bored and they'll move on, right? Let's make this as complicated as possible. And so you start to see there's always fraud indicators. You start to see certain things in an investigation. And the great thing about asset tracing also is that there are records, right? And that's what they're finding out now. So, and and, and I'm, I'm glad because whether it's, a, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump, it wouldn't matter. If you've got an asshole who's in, in office and is engaged in pay-for-play, right? And there's no way, frankly, that this president didn't know that he was being used 
as the dog in the dog and pony show, right? And so they've got these, these records available to them. And with the power of the government, their ability to subpoena and do all these things that they can do, they will have the case figured out at some point. The problem with Washington is do they have the, the, you know, do they have the grit to stick with it, right? And then, then the next question is, does anything happen as a result? But it is, in my mind, anyway, for what that's worth, uh, there's no doubt. This is, this is money laundering. And it is, it's, it's pathetic, as you pointed out, that there's so little interest, right? From a completely incurious, well, uh, not incurious, but just a completely partisan, uh, significant majority of the media. They don't, it's not that they don't care, it's that they do care, and they're taking every effort, and they're now having to contort themselves into certain ways because it's getting more and more difficult to provide top cover for the Biden administration. But they've been trying. And, you know, they're just at some point, maybe the dam breaks and there's so much paper evidence that they can't ignore it anymore. But you would have thought that some enterprising young journalists who understand the importance of objectivity, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, would have gotten off their ass and really pursued this story. Because it's a Pulitzer Prize winning story at the end of the day. Yeah, but the question is. What kind of pushback do they get in pursuing that story? How dangerous is it for them to pursue that story? Because it, <laughs> it seems like it would be fairly dangerous. I mean, yeah. you're talking about extraordinary amounts amounts of money, and this is just what's been uncovered, right? Right. So we've only gone back to what, like 2000, what, 13 or 14 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, back to the VP days. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what yeah. about before that? Like, what, like, when did this start? Yeah. Did this only start when he was VP? Did he get his son involved to give him some sort of a meaningful business? It seems like he was the bag man, right? Yeah. And and, um, and that, that's another part of this story that's fascinating. It's not like he was producing anything. It's not like Hunter Biden was producing something. He's right? producing it's, some uh, good videos. Yeah. It was, yeah that, made some great it photos. Fine, yeah. He seems Oof. like the kind of guy that, you would expect to be involved in that kind of behavior. Yeah. I mean, he's a wild boy. And he's also the sort of guy that you would identify immediately. If you were if you were on the Chinese side of things, as an example, whatever, oh, yeah. eight, $8 million, whatever, he's the target. That's right? the guy. Look at that. That's your weak link next to, with the greatest access possible, to the second most powerful person, theoretically, in, in, the, uh, in the country. That's a fantastic target, right? Yeah. There's all sorts of weaknesses there that you can play off of. And right? for them, yeah. twenty million over oh. a few years—that's a fucking yeah. minor drop in the bucket. It's 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 literally nothing, and and, and that that's it's a great payday for them. And whether it's Burisma and and look, there is no reason he was being placed on boards other than access to his father that any i mean even if somebody who's highly partisan on the democratic side has got to at least be honest enough to admit that so then the question becomes all right was the at the time vice president and then after that was he aware did he know that hunter was out there doing all these things and using access and at first it was like i had no idea wasn't talking and then suddenly it's like well you know i was on some phone calls but it wasn't important and now the media's got to spin that narrative well he wasn't talking about anything of substance well there's a new photo that just got released of him on a plane to ukraine in 2015 yeah so i think this is to my point that i think they're slowly releasing this stuff because they plan on getting rid of him yeah well if they do then what happens to kamala harris she's gone yeah yeah 
Yeah, there's no way. You can't keep her. She's got the lowest approval rating of any vice president ever, including Dan Quayle. <laughs> oh God! There's a good people forgot pull. about that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He was uh, what they used to. The comics used to joke that that guy was assassination insurance. <laughs> nobody wants to kill the president oh, and then have that fucking guy take over. I forgot about that, but no. But you're right, and and I think if yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't move Kamala Harris out as long as Biden's the candidate, right? Because that right. They, they wouldn't weather that optic. Um, but if he has to step aside, then obviously it's a brand new ticket. It's a brand new day, and they'll come up with something. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, do they firmly believe that Biden can't win again if it's Trump or whomever? The only you know? way Biden's going to win again is never Trump. These never Trump people. Yeah. There, there yeah. are people that will vote for a fucking box of hammers before they would vote for Trump. And that's yeah. a that's a real segment of our, our population. I don't know what percentage is, but it's probably fairly high. Who are they have enough trust in the Democratic establishment that they think that the Democrats would figure out a way to run the country better, even with a, a puppet, <laughs> than they would with Donald Trump in office. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also the independents. Don't forget, you know, the independents are uh-huh. sort of the, the moderates that, um, you know, previously had voted for Trump and then got tired of the chaos and then in yeah. the last election said, no, I'm not going to do that again. I don't think they walk it back and say, yeah, actually give me, you know, because I, I don't, people are, again, very emotive. So, well, I, there's yeah. also this, the, the indictments. Uh-huh. Now, what is your take on this Georgia thing? Because the Georgia thing is interesting because I was just mm-hmm. watching this video today that was detailing what they were claiming was evidence of fraud in the Georgia election. Yeah. And there's apparently some videos of people moving boxes around and doing some things that seem a little, at least on the surface, suspicious without an adequate explanation. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I think they don't care whether they win or not. And I think they brought a, a fairly massive racketeering or RICO, you know, charge at, at the top of this sort of a criminal Ten conspiracy. Counts, right? yeah. yeah. But it involves like Trump plus 18 others. And um, I think they can't be stupid. So they probably understand that it falls apart in, in appeal, right? And I don't think that that's going to hold up, but I don't think they care because last night, I mean, again, it shows you how bizarre this is. They held a press conference, right? They rushed this thing through. First of all, well, here's an interesting fact. First of all, the indictment showed up uh, on the uh, county uh, website right, uh, in the afternoon. Before the grand jury had voted, right, before they had come across with what the charges would be, and so all of a sudden that comes across on on the public domain, and I think it was I think it was Reuters that snapped it and and kind of ran with it as a story, but then it was taken down off the county's website, right, and they were asked about it later on, and they said ah it was uh, fictitious or some bullshit, right, so you wonder okay how did that get leaked because then those charges that showed up earlier in the day matched what ended up being voted on by the grand jury, so. That's a little odd, and it's as far as I can remember, I think it's illegal to uh, leak that sort of information right ahead of time. But but also, how would they know? How would they know how the grand jury was going to decide at the end of the day what indictments to to throw out there or to put out there in this in this charge? So that's something that probably should be looked at, but in today's world may not. Um, but I think really she was pushing last night at whatever eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night. Who holds a press conference at, at this point at that time of night? Um, 
but she was saying she wants it out there and with you know to start this uh, trial in six months. And so, you know, six months from now is is uh, whatever February. So right in the middle of of uh, all the caucuses and all the all the campaigning that goes on. And whether it's that one or whether it's the one from D.C. or it doesn't matter. They just they're they're creating a very um, lasting narrative that's going to go through the election season. And I think that's really what they want. And whether any of this actually holds, I don't think they give a rat's ass. You know, some some people do. If this was happening in the other direction. Oh, and by the way, if Trump was in office and Biden was running against him and this this evidence was available, this evidence of the all the corruption with his son. Mm. I mean, that's far clear. This is yeah. like real clear stuff. Well, but they always come back with, um, well, look, it was, you know, you know, the, uh, the Trump kids were working and doing business. And you think, well, you know, they had a business, right? They were real estate developers. There's, there's tangible activity there. Now, um, you know, it, it, I, I, that's, that's part of the problem. That's how it gets muddied is, is that, People, you know, in the media or people who are supportive of an administration will say, yeah, but everybody does it. Everybody's engaged in pay for play. Everybody's engaged in influence peddling. And there's, you know, some truth in that. But not everybody's engaged in money laundering. Right. right? That might, you know, be worth some investigation. But, uh, again, um, I don't think that the point of this exercise on the part of the the various DAs and – and that's another thing. Look, the, the DA down in, in Georgia is, is – that's an elected position. And she's running for office again. And she's campaigning based on getting Trump, right? And she's raising money off, off of uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Trump, right? Uh, that seems a little odd too, right? I mean, I, I don't know. There's, you, it, it's no surprise that people are losing confidence in, uh, in the government. Have you looked at any of the evidence of uh, election manipulation? Um, some, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't disappeared fully down that rabbit hole yet. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm. Seems like it really suck in. Yeah, it, I think it would. And there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of communities. I, the times that I have looked, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit out there. Um, and trying to, uh, trying to decipher what is just crazy ass bullshit from what is legitimate and deserves investigation, right? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I just like I run out of time, mm. and I'm just like I'm sorry. I got to go, you know, watch one of the kids' games. Um, yeah. So, which by the way, one of my kids, the middle boy Sluggo, is uh, heading to Florida to go to boarding school at the end of the month. He's, oh boy! Yeah, he's gonna go play basketball at IMG, um, which is an amazing uh, academy, amazing, amazing place. Is that gonna be hard for you? Have him go to boarding school? Um. Yeah, we couldn't wait to get him out of the house. Uh, <laughs> no, he's a great guy. He's a great kid. He's all, all the all the boys are fantastic. But but he's very focused. He's very competitive. He's been. This is all he wants to do. Is in, and and um, he's been down there before, and they they do a great job um, academically and sports wise. It's it's very much a sports focused program. Does he want to play professionally? Uh, well, yeah, I guess any kid that you know is, is serious about what they do at How the time. How tall is he? Oh, he's about three foot two. Um, <laughs> he's a white kid from Idaho. <laughs> I think he's got a big future. Um, he's uh, he's he's growing. He's making his way towards you know. He's he's just turned just turned uh, whatever fourteen, and and he's making his way towards six foot. And he'll he'll get he'll get high, as tall as he needs to be for a point guard. But he's a, he's a focused 
uh, he's a focused People kid. People are doing all kinds of shit to their kids now. Yeah, they're God. juicing them up with human growth hormone to get them to grow. It's crazy, and they're wow. you know they're reclassing them three or four times, right? Having mm-hmm. them repeat grades right. and grow. I mean, he's, he's played some kids that are you know honestly got it. You know, like they 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 show up with a baby and you know and. Well, it's and, a fu- yeah. it's a fucking business. I mean, if you your kid can become a, a legit professional athlete, I mean, there is extraordinary amounts of money in that. Yeah, if the kid's good. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, it's you know, for us, you look at that, and we, he's very realistic. He understands that, you know, and and, and uh, but he loves the game. He's he's super into sort of the 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 you know the the intricacies of it, right? And he's uh, he's a selfless kid. He he, you know, he's he's all about. You know, getting the ball passed properly, getting the assist right. He's not. He's not a. a he's not a selfish player, but but he's also realistic about the the tiny tiny statistics in terms of who gets to even play D three or D two ball, right? right? And then certainly going on to to uh, to professional sports. But um, it teaches a lot of other things, right? And so, boarding school for the right kid uh, can be a great experience. It can be a terrible experience for the wrong kid, but for the right kid, it can be a great experience. Uh, you know, teaches them independence and, and discipline and motivation and, and, uh, the value of, of, of hard work and, and, you know, just not taking shit for granted. Right. How often are you going to see him? Um, probably, uh, quite frequently because, um, you know, we, 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 you know, he's, again, he's only, he's, he's young, so we'll be down there as, as often as possible. Um, but, at the same time, you want to let them run, right? You don't right. want to, you know, you got to give them room. Right. And we've never been those sort of parents for any of the kids where we sit on the sidelines and watch their practices. That drives me fucking crazy. Mm. You know, when you've got parents that are at every practice, you're sitting in their lawn chair, just, you know, watching. And you think, just let the kids do right. well or not. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. yeah. So I think he's, uh, he, he, again, he's very independent, and I think he'll, I think he'll be just fine. But, um I forget how I I jumped onto that boarding uh, school. Thing. Boarding school, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but yeah. it's it it was a bit of a it was a struggle to to get to the point where we thought, okay, let's do it, right? Um, the other two boys were like, nah, get him out of the house. It'll be fine. Uh. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> the youngest one was like, do I get his room um, uh, and all hilarious. his stuff? Um, but yeah, anyway, and the oldest one was just out at the naval academy. Um, there's a, there's a fantastic place. God, he yeah. was out there for a visit and, and, uh, had a chance to play some lacrosse and, and, uh, you know, whether he applies or not, uh, again, it's the experience of seeing what's out there and what's possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you leave all the doors open for the kids and you try to get them to understand the importance of not shutting doors by stupid behavior or poor academics or whatever it is, that's all you can do as a parent. And then at some point they run and they do their thing. But, you know, from our perspective, you just you, you got to keep every door open for the kids to, so they don't get there and think, oh, God, I should not have done that because now I can't go there or I can't do this. Right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But it was uh, it was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So how we went from electric meddling. <laughs> no, we went from Pee Wee Herman yeah. to election meddling yeah. to uh, to my kids. Um yeah, I got. You know what? Because I've got my list, I'm gonna stick with my fucking list. All right, um, stick with the list. Yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about how fascinating the um, the, the the our relationship with China is, and that is uh, also since the last time we met, um, the Chinese uh, a Chinese company, pseudo independent supposedly, but there's very few of those, right? They all have got some level of state sp- uh, sponsorship or cooperation. They bought like 300 and 
some odd acres, right, in, um, uh, near Grand Forks. Uh, um, and there's a Grand Forks Air Force Base, which is, you know, home to uh, whatever the th 319th fighter wing or air wing. And one of the things that the base does is it oversees in part the satellite systems that we run, right? Um, overseas surveillance drone uh, operations to some degree. And so it's a very sensitive base. So I'll be damned if uh, this Chinese group didn't buy up hundreds of acres of land about 12 miles from, from this base. And they worked with the local officials, the local uh, folks there, to say, we want to build a milling plant, a corn milling plant, right? The company was a food company. And it's going to be great. It's going to give you like 200 local jobs. Let's build it. And the, so the local officials were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Well, it ran through the investment, CFIUS, um, the investment operation that looks at foreign investment to make sure that it's, it's above board and kosher. And CFIUS said, yeah, we don't have any opinion. We, it's not really our domain. We don't see anything wrong with this. So we can't cancel the, the potential purchase. And the Air Force uh, had another thought, and they said, screw it. That's no, this is a threat to national security. You can't allow this to happen. You can't allow them to build this plant. Um, and so I'll be damned in, in one of those rare moments of, of common sense, they shut it down. They said, you can't mm. do this. And so, and then that become a bit, a bit of an issue and then started to see in Congress, you started to see all this talk about, well, oh my God, the Chinese are buying up farmland all across America. So and is Bill Gates, right? So is Bill Gates, yeah, yeah. Bill Gates and the Chinese. Now the largest, to be fair, the largest landowners, um, in terms of a foreign uh, country, is uh, Canada. So Canada owns by far the most uh, U.S. farmland. But it was nice to see that there was some uh, reaction, some common sense here, and, and that the, they don't do that. And, th and that's happening. It's increasing. So I think the bright spot here is that people are becoming more aware of the problem and that not every time is nefarious not every time you know i'm not saying that you know it's not always going to be nefarious but you should at least be smart enough to look and see it's mm -hmm. like when we talk about you know chinese equipment being put on regional telecoms all over the world or over the country yeah uh yeah little things like that we should probably pay attention to i was watching this video where this guy was talking about um these chinese devices like uh, a roomba like mm -hmm. it was one of those type of deals. It was like uh, one of those robots that runs around your house yeah, and vacuums sure. things. Yeah. yeah, we got two of them. And yep. he yeah. said that it connects to a Chinese server. And it says when the thing is loading up, it's connecting to this Chinese server and that it connects to your network. And this Chinese server has potentially has access to your network and could choose to shut your network off, siphon information, do yeah. anything it wants. It's like... Yeah. The Internet of Things, right? And so these things are connected via your network and connected to all the devices that are on your network. So if your cell phone's on it, Wi-Fi, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been going on for some time, right? I mean, that's been the capabilities, the, the ability to gather intelligence uh, from seemingly innocuous things, your, your fridge that talks to you or, or whatever. Uh, certainly, obviously, and, and you've talked about this a lot, that, you know, the, the cell phones um, and, and how hard you have to work to turn off applications that will do that. And most people just don't have the patience, right? You've yeah. got to really dig, right? If you want to prevent your 
you know, 80 inch TV in your home from being switched on remotely as a monitor, what's going on in your home, you got to really dig through the layers on that TV to get to the point where you can switch that off. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, who's got the time nowadays, but, um, and does that yeah. even work? Yeah, and does it even override? And does it even work exactly? Robot vacuums can use by hackers to spy on conversations. Singapore researchers say, lidar phone attack can take advantage of the device's built-in sensor to gather potentially sensitive data. NUS computer scientists discovered to prevent misuse. Team advised owners not to connect the robot vacuums to the internet. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, could you use a spy on private conversations? University said on Monday, the method called LiDAR phone repurposes the LiDAR sensors that a robot vacuum cleaner normally uses for navigating around a home into laser-based microphone to eavesdrop on private conversations. Oh, terrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. And yeah. I read something about the use of Wi-Fi to see things in a home. And that there's the ability that Wi-Fi has to gather 3D images. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. Um, yes. I, I mean, a couple of... Yeah, uh, scientists now yeah. use Wi-Fi to see through mm. people's walls. What the fuck? Carnegie Mellon U University can map human bodies through walls using Wi-Fi signals. That's and, get super creepy. But I've read that you can do that with Ethernet cables. Ethernet cables. Yeah, they can at yeah. least use it to hear. Yeah, anything that yeah. emanates, anything. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's the, the ability to, uh, and it, 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 yeah, it's, it does start to look like a Tom Clancy movie where, remember, they used to, in the old days, you see this movie and they could, like, use and they could identify the people moving through the building, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, yeah. was, that was all bullshit back in the day. I mean, that was imagined, right? right. And people were thinking, like, wouldn't that be great? And it is great, right? If you roll up on a, on a Target site now and you're wearing the old, you know, highly advanced super soldier Google glasses, right? And you're getting all that data fed into you, right? And you're getting heat signatures and you're, you know, you, you know, I got four people on the other side of this, this uh, structure. I mean, that's, that's fantastic intelligence. Or you can, you know, you, again, you know, the, the battlefield has changed completely now. I mean, you know, the drone capability and be able to look downfield and know what you've got yeah. um, to be able to reach out and touch a target without getting your guys in, in harm's way. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's an amazing world, um, but it's also pretty, um, what's the word? I don't want to say frightening necessarily, but it's alarming, right, for just the average citizen in terms of, in, again, information that's being gathered on you. And I, I think most people just at this stage of the game, certainly I think maybe younger folks just don't care. Right. Yeah, they're on TikTok. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my friend Cam's son, and I was like, you know, that thing's fucking siphoning data off because he's on TikTok. He's like, I don't care. It's fun. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, I guess, you know, he's just a 24-year-old kid. He's got nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I stopped doing my TikTok dances, you know, because I used to post all you the time. You were very good. I think you should yeah. bring him back. I was doing the whatever, the flossy and the, the rumba, or I don't even know what the dances are anymore. Um, but... Um, Anyway, today, today, this is, look at me segueing, uh, today is the two-year anniversary of the Afghan withdrawal. Mm. Um, and uh, I was, uh, I forget how I got started on that one, but I was, I was looking at total cost of what we spent so far in Ukraine. And not only is it a two-year anniversary of the withdrawal from, uh, from Afghanistan, but other comparisons um, we've spent in Ukraine since whenever, January 2022 so you know a little over a year obviously a year and a half we've 
dropped about upwards north of $80 billion there, right? More than that, in all honesty, because I don't think we actually know what the full number is. I don't think the State Department knows. I don't think the Pentagon actually knows. They certainly don't know necessarily where all the money is going to. But we've dropped at $80 billion, say, let's call it that. Um, from 2001 to 2020 in Afghanistan, we spent about $73, $74 billion. So think about that. Wow. <laughs> Almost 20 years in Afghanistan, we spent about $73 billion. About a year and a half in Ukraine, we've spent... 80 billion dollars plus i'm not saying it's you know w that we shouldn't be doing it or that we sh you know we, we should you know not be supporting the ukrainian uh military i'm just saying it's a fascinating fact as far as i'm concerned it just shows the level of support you know ukraine is 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 uh at the top of our um obviously we have, we don't give that much money to anybody by far right and the last time that Last time a, a European was country, it was at the top of, 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 the, of the aid list was, you know, the Marshall Plan, maybe, um, uh, the Truman uh, administration. So it's pretty significant. But the Afghanistan thing, um, two years after the withdrawal, we've spent since then, since, since the withdrawal, we've spent or the U.S. government's allocated about $8 billion. Now, the interesting point there is who's been in control there in Afghanistan since – you know, the withdrawal. It's the Taliban. So we have allocated $8 billion to various humanitarian groups, charities, into Afghanistan, and no real, no real controls over whether the vast majority of that money or half of that money or whatever is going to the Taliban. And really? Can, yeah, and you can guarantee that it's being siphoned off. How I mean, does that work? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that. Um, it wasn't that long ago there was a – because there, there is an inspector general. They call him the, uh, the, the, special, uh, the special inspector general for Afghanistan reconstruction, SIGAR. Um, and he testified before Congress, uh, I think much earlier this year. It might have been the, the, the January-February time frame about Afghanistan. And um, he said, I cannot sit here and tell the, sub, the, the committee or the American taxpayer that th we are not funding the Taliban through the, this money that is being allocated for Afghanistan. Whoa. Oh, okay. There you Unfortunately, go. as I sit here today, I cannot assure this committee that the American taxpayer uh, or the American taxpayer, that we are not currently funding the Taliban. He continued, nor can I assure you that the Taliban are not diverting the money we are sending to the intended recipients, which are the poor Afghan people. Wow. Yeah. So think about that. 20 years in Afghanistan, <laughs> we leave in a, in a fucking mess of a withdrawal, right, which never should have taken place the way it did. And we've still got, there's maybe 150, 155,000 uh, special immigrant visa applicants trapped in Afghanistan waiting to get out. We don't know. We have no idea how many um, of our former Afghan allies, right, whomever it may be, are still there trapped trying to get out. And how right? many have been killed? And how many have been, exactly, how many have been killed? And in the meantime, 
No, now again, you know, the idea at the top level, you know, the theory, we want to help the Afghan people. We can't just abandon all those poor people. So we're going to use the money to give it to humanitarian groups and they're going to try to feed them and everything. And yet there's no control over this, this fucking thing. And, and so that's, that's a problem that, again, should be talked about. But we don't, you know, we get lost in these, in these issues of the day that, that aren't, you know, really impactful, I guess, at the end of the day. Maybe they're impactful to people's, you know, individual lives, I guess, whatever, what, what the hell. But it is stunning that then the inspector general will come out and say he can't get uh, sufficient uh, information from State Department and from USAID that's responsible in part for allocating these funds. Um, and in pure, typical Washington, D.C. Uh, bullshit, the reason is because the State Department says, well, you know, we withdrew from Afghanistan, so therefore the, the, the inspector general, you know, doesn't have the same job. We're not reconstructing Afghanistan anymore, so we don't have to respond to his request for information. So, which is... You know, it's just—it's like this bizarre. But we're going to continue to give money out. And meanwhile, the Taliban's just shitting all over the people, right? Um, forget about women's rights anymore. They've shut down secondary schools. They've shut down. There's certainly no universities. They've done. They—they've—they've they've restricted them basically to you know women to, and girls to sitting at home. They—they um, they, very restricted movement outside. They have to be fully covered, obviously. Um, recently, they just—they just shut down all beauty salons. Right. Which was one of the few places women could work and only women could go into. Uh, women can't go into parks. Right. They can't. Go, it, it, it's 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 insane when you think about it that way. And you think about, <laughs> you know, but we're giving them money again, not for a bad reason. Right. I mean, we, we want to help um, the, 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 the people that are suffering most. How does that money? But we have no control. Right. What what happens to that money? Like, how does how could that money possibly get to the Taliban? Like, what's going on? Well, it has to go through. Um, it has to go through humanitarian groups, NGOs, um, charities, and at some point, the idea is it, it's either funds or or goods, right? That have to be in the country, that have to get to the country to be dispersed, and the Taliban controls everything, right? Now, by the way, we also allocated a handful of billions of dollars to recapitalize the central bank there in Afghanistan. Well, that would seem to be. Maybe I'm wrong. That would seem to be basically putting money directly into the hands of the Taliban. Um, and so it's, it's a problem. You know, they're looking into it. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many weird if – you, if you spend too much time looking at the way the government sometimes operates and going, switching back to Ukraine and saying, okay, um, we're, as, as an example, one of the things we're not doing is we're not fully sanctioning Russian oil because why? It's a political reason. We don't want the Russian oil taken off the market and driving gas prices up, which is bad for politics, right? So meanwhile, one of the few real, you know, significant sources of revenue for the Russians is oil. That allows them to keep going. So we're spending, what, $80 billion on Ukraine? At the same time, we're not doing everything we can to shut down the ability of the Russian uh, government to make money by sanctioning the oil the way we should. And therefore, um, <laughs> they continue marching on. It's, I don't know, I, I just find it all, you know, going back to that original thought, you know, it's like, 
we're going to stop fossil fuels, but we're also going to keep all the minerals in the ground. How about that? But the the Russia thing seems to be the Russia Ukraine thing thing seems to be even crazier than the Afghanistan thing, in terms of long term cost, and in terms of not having any solution of how this could ever possibly end. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, 100%. I agree with that. It's we don't have a we don't have a whatever they want to call it an exit ramp, a, a, a end game. Um, there is talk about a peace settlement, primarily from Zelensky. Right? He's been he's been making a real effort. He's been going out and trying to garner support from a variety of countries for his uh, or for the Ukraine government's peace plan, which basically calls for return of all their lands, including Crimea and obviously the exit of all Russian forces. And so he's out there talking and saying, this is what needs to happen. This is, we need to gather uh, international support for this peace plan if it's going to work, which is not incorrect, right? Meanwhile, you know, the Chinese are, are trying to, you know, play top dog in the world stage by proposing their own peace plan. Um, you know, Saudis are making an effort. So, uh, but there is no, there's no exit strategy really to speak of but hasn't Zelensky openly stated that he wants Putin to step down well uh, yeah I mean he's he's expressed that desire but you also think about they've declared him a war criminal so what's what's Putin's you know what, what what's Putin's uh, motivation for for stopping if he reaches a peace settlement and then is basically that's it okay we're done uh there's peace we've given back all the land and i'm a war criminal and now at some point if i step outside the country i'll be arrested and i mean that's that that's a thought process so um i don't think unless Zelensky budges a little bit right um which you know again from an emotive standpoint why should he right but unless he budges to some degree uh, i don't see that they're going to get uh, a settlement where the two sides agree, because Putin, I don't, I don't, still, I, I've said this before, but I don't imagine the the Russian government giving back Crimea, right? It's, right. It's you know too important from their perspective, from a military perspective. And so, when did they take over Crimea? Uh, was was that? Was, wasn't that fourteen, two thousand fourteen? I think. Yeah. Maybe mm. maybe eight, maybe two thousand fourteen. I don't know. It's it's ancient history now, and nobody cared back then, right? Really, really, there was there were some angry memos written. Um, Obama talked about it at the time and said, but nobody did anything. Just like when the troops moved into eastern Ukraine, nobody really cared. Nobody did anything. Nobody was out there planting flags in their gardens and saying, we stand with Ukraine. And in fact, Ukraine was viewed as a highly corrupt place, you know, um, where, you know, a Ukrainian energy company would hire the son of the vice president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but... At the same time, you can't, you know, you we we can't allow Putin's uh, adventurism right to stand. You've got to. So I do believe we 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 have to support, and without our support, without our NATO allies' support and others, they wouldn't have been able to accomplish what they've done, right? And now, whether they can make the counteroffensive um, a significant victory or not, still remains to be seen, because the Russians. You know, they used the, the opportunity during the lull to really dig in, right? They've created almost their own Maginot line, although it's, it's more effective than the old Maginot line. So they, they've created that along their, their, their uh, perimeter, and it's been a real tough slog. You know, the Ukrainian counteroffensive has gone much slower than people thought. And everybody was all very emotive. Oh, it's going to be a counteroffensive. They're going to sweep through. It's going to be done here soon. And I don't think people still have their heads around the fact that this is the, 
there's, there's no exit out there right yet. So what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to just allocate every, every couple of months? we we'll say, well, we'll put another $800 million in there. Um, you know, we've already, you know, approved F-16s, I mean, Abrams tanks, Patriot missile system. I mean, HIMARS. There's a, we're doing everything possible, intelligence support, satellite support. Um, and again, rightly so. You know, Putin, you know, needs to be driven out of there if possible. But at the same time, they need a logical thought process about how you have a settlement if there's going to be one. And, and I, what are your feelings about NATO's encroaching on Russian territory, like getting closer and closer? Like the treaty at the, the, the end of the Soviet Union mm -hmm. stated that, that NATO would not move any closer to Russia. But yet they have. And yet they have, yeah. And it's, it had just the opposite effect, right? I mean, what Putin did, because he's, you know, I think he, he imagined, and he had bad intel, but he imagined that th this incursion, this invasion was going to uh, show the cracks in NATO, right? And it had the opposite. It grew NATO. And so, um, look, he legitimately believes, you have to understand the motivations of, of whoever's on the other side of the table. And with Putin, he legitimately believed that, you know, the collapse of the Soviet Union was a terrible, terrible tragedy, right? And he's been trying to recreate in some fashion the whole thing. So um, he looks at that, and that's just further, um, that reinforces his mindset, which is, in his mind, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's um, making this up. In his mind, he believes, you know, this is an attack on the motherland. Now, it's bullshit. It's not. But that's how he pitches it, and that's how he tries to keep the population behind him by saying, "This is this is the West against us." Right? And there's no argument for that, you don't think, the, with NATO encroaching. Um, well, I think every country has got the right to, you know, take actions to protect their own national security. Right, like um, if if Russia um, started moving military bases into Mexico. <laughs> yeah, right, which yeah. Is, kind of similar well, to think what NATO has done. Oh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, that was right. the same concept. There was yes. no, no difference, right? So, yes. I mean, and that's... And so, we... You have to be pragmatic about the world that you live in. And you have to understand, and that requires good intelligence, you have to understand the plans and intentions and motivations of whoever, again, is on the other side of the table or whatever dictator or whatever leader you're, you're dealing with. And... Uh, I think that is, is it helpful in reaching a peace settlement? Look, if if all your goal is, and maybe we need, you know, maybe we need to say that. Okay, is the U.S. goal to drive Russia completely out and reclaim all the lands that they had taken since 2000? Right? Um, then fine, that's our stated goal, and we just keep doing everything possible to make that happen, short of boots on the ground. But um, it would seem to me that our goal should also be, uh, instead of that, maybe we find a way to end the war, right? Typically, you get into a war and you want to end it, right? I mean, that's, you know, wanted to go on for 20 years. So Unless yeah. you are supplying weapons and making billions of dollars. Then well, you might want yes, to keep there it going is for that. a little while. There is that. And, um, and look, I, I, but... Um, Look, there's, there's, you get two bites of the apple, right? You get to supply all the weaponry, and then you get the reconstruction. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, there is an undercurrent in Washington D.C. amongst contractors that are just they're 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 just super gleeful. Not, that's the wrong word, but they're 
they're enthusiastic. enthusiastic and anticipatory, I don't know if that's a word, about this potential. And I saw this um, back during the Iraq days, right, when we went in to reconstruct Iraq, right, which went on for several years, produced massive amounts of fraud, uh, created all sorts of bullshit 8A companies, right? Everybody suddenly, everybody was looking for women-owned or uh, Native American-owned or Eskimo-owned companies that they could set up so that would allow them to get those government contracts to go in and do some piece of reconstruction, whether they had experience to do it or not. And there was a, my God, the amount of energy that was involved in D.C. at the time of, of companies just sh sh shooting up out of nowhere, right? I remember people walking through the door. We had, had an office in D.C., uh, for the business and 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 people walking through the door with you know looking for security right and saying well we're going to start this uh, company we're going to go out there and I was like well how much experience do you have eh, we don't have any you know they didn't care so we're I, I sense that same level of excitement uh, um, in the idea of the Ukraine reconstruction um, because that's going to be a talk about the next sinkhole of again I. I you got to support them, right? So I, maybe I'm using the wrong terminology, but the next black hole of cost of, of money spent will be on the reconstruction effort. And if we think that it's currently expensive, wait till that hits, right? That's going to make this $80 billion so far look like nothing, I think. That's just my opinion. But so I, I don't know. I, there's no, you know, you keep talking, I keep talking in, in circles about this because I don't see any, any way out of it, right? It's um, uh, both sides are, are not going to budge at least in the short term, mid term on what they want. Are you concerned at all about the possible use of nukes? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't I mean, you know, Medvedev has, has thrown that out every now and then, right? He's kind of alluded to it, nothing's off the table and blah, blah, blah. but um Putin's still a rational player, right? He may seem like he's irrational at times or he's, you know, he, this was an incredibly stupid move, but I don't think he's off the rails. He understands that's not that's that can't be on the table as a, as an option. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about the the long, slow slog that we find. Like mm. we, nobody nobody ever anticipated we'd be in Afghanistan for 20 years. Right. right. And look at this. I mean, it's a it's a perfect case study of you probably should have an end in mind, right? Otherwise, it just keeps going because in part because it you know some people unfortunately do benefit from it. Some you know major players out there who who benefit from that sort of thing. And, you know, other people trying to do the right thing, for sure, of course. But I, I, you would think that Afghanistan, you would have a, a, a perfect case study. But we didn't have a case study. We, we, sorry, take that back. We had a case study in what the Soviets did in Afghanistan. And we, we didn't learn shit from that, right? right. When, we, when we went in, we ended up making the same mistakes, you know, make the same hubris. Look, there were years where we knew... Um, during that 20 years that there were immense weaknesses and corruption inside the government, the Afghan government and the military. We knew for years that um, the, the Afghan military was uh, problematic, right? And so this idea that we were surprised or shocked that they fell apart in, in, in a matter of hours, basically, uh, as the withdrawal was taking place, is it's just bullshit. We just ignored it. We didn't want to hear it. We didn't want to tell the truth about it. And so if we had been truthful, you know, we would have said, no, this isn't going to work, you know. And, and you know, by the way, we never, you know, look, that, that withdrawal was a disaster. We gave up Bagram Air Base. Right? What the fuck are we doing? 
Right? Yeah. If we're going to withdraw and pull everybody out and get all our allies and, and contacts and people who had supported us for all those years out, we had the perfect resource to do that, and we didn't. You know, they shut it down, and then they, you know, they used Hamid Karzai Airport, and that was a just from a simple security process. I mean, we do security assessments on large, you know, facilities, and and it's not rocket science. Right? You see the same things over and over again in, in terms of you know, how you protect your assets and how you protect your people and how you move things. That's a part of a logistical exercise. And they just fucking ignored it. And they, they ended up using this airport. People died as a result, didn't have to. They should never have. And yet, you know, and then they come out with a bullshit assessment earlier this year, the White House does, and basically blames the Trump administration. Um, for, you know, cutting a deal with the Taliban with a timeline that had conditions which the Taliban never met and which we didn't have to stick with, frankly. And yet, you know, we thought politically the optic would be bad if we didn't. And so they decided to withdraw and they did it in a, in a you know, disgustingly, you know, insecure fashion. And, you know, they blame that. They blame the intel community. And yes, you know, we sh- the, the way that we characterized the the ability of the afghan military and government to hold together was was abysmal right so that was a serious mistake um but the steps that were then taken uh in terms of leading up to that and and the the speed with which they tried to do it was you know that's on them um so anyway that's a that's a cheery little conversation yeah yeah that doesn't sound fun Mm -mm. it doesn't sound like there's a good solution here well, no, and then um, so, so we got that. Um, you know, I, I I have no idea where, with with uh, with Ukraine, um, because it, sure there's diplomatic you know, efforts underway that we don't see that aren't on the radar, right? So aside from Zelensky uh, trying to garner support for his deal, you know, obviously we've got the U.S. is doing other things, um, but the the public wouldn't know it. And I think the government and the military government in particular, the White House, needs to be better at at explaining things, right, what's going on and why we're doing this, right? Because you don't want aid, military aid in particular, to dry up to the Ukrainian government. But, you know, if they don't do a better job of explaining why we're spending this money, people are going to get fed up or they're going to start questioning, is this really something that we should be worried about? Right. And, you know, it's tough when you got problems at home. It's tough to get people to focus on something as large as, you know, you don't want the recreation of the Soviet Union because then that might encourage China on Taiwan. And then, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah. Are you concerned about that? About Taiwan? Yeah. Yes, is, is, the, is the answer. Um, because uh, I, think, I think Xi looks at what's happening in Ukraine and he probably thinks, all right, uh, that's Russia, you know, small GDP equal to a European country, small European country. He looks at China and says, okay, is the West really going to, you know, go uh, a- into a proxy war over Taiwan? And I think their calculation is probably no. So I think from their perspective, it's a matter of time. And they're probably calculating, can we do this in a slow sort of soft war way, you know, where we just seed the ground that eventually we have Taiwan, much like, you know, with Hong Kong, where we, we, you know, eventually we look and go, oh, Hong Kong, right? It used to be a bastion of democracy in that right. little spot. And, uh, yeah, they put the squash on that. 
So, uh, yeah, I think that that's a real problem. And I think Xi um, views this as important to do during his time. Right? I don't think he's going to want to leave that on the table and not have that as part of his legacy. Right? So I think the timeline has been accelerated, and it may well be that the timeline is essentially how long does Xi view himself in power. So I think that's a problem. Um, but you know, do we honestly believe that we're going to put boots on the ground in Taiwan to fight the Chinese regime? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, so what does that mean? Right? Do we just... It's 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 a problem, you know. We, um, but you know, I don't know that we're I don't know that we're overly um, focused right now. We tend to we tend to do one thing at a time, you know, as as a government. Right. Right now, the the thing is Ukraine. What is the difference between the way that that Taiwan operates their government and the way China would operate it if they took over? Well, part of its access. Right. And given Taiwan's importance in sort of uh, in the tech sector, you know, their, their chip manufacturing and, and um, that would that would create potentially another real bind in the supply chain system. Right. For for future use. Right. You have to think about down the road. If if we got into a major conflict with China at some point, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to they're they're going to stop anything they can. Right. That that would help us. Right. So their ability to restrict um, the importation of chips necessary for mu- you know, much of our economy now in terms of running. Um, that's, a, that's a sort of a key point. That's, that's more of a, a practical economic issue, right? Then you've got the issue of, well, look, it's a democracy, right? Are we just going to let another democracy get rolled by the communist government? Um, that sounds like an old 1960s Cold War theory. But... Uh, yeah, I, 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 the, the reality is our values and, our, and, and what we think important, right, say one thing. The realities of, of how that would play out say something else, right? So, again, it's, it's hard to marry those up. Are we going to, how far would we go down the road to protect Taiwan? And so maybe what that means is, you know, down the road we need to be better at, um, you know, manufacturing on our own. We've got to bring things back, which is part of what's all that talk about onshoring and bringing manufacturing back. Well, that's, that's part of it. Underlying that is our concern over national security issues. Should they get, you know, um, control of, of uh, you know, more um, commodities, or whatever you want well, to Well, that was to. one of the more shocking things about the pandemic was when you realize how dependent we are on China for mm-hmm. medicine, for chips, for so many different things that they produce that we don't produce over here and like how did we allow that to happen and did we just allow that to happen because there's higher profit margins and we put the entire country at risk because of that i think it was yeah we got addicted to cheap stuff yeah. right um and both you know cheap cheap stuff and and um you know high-tech cheap stuff so <laughs> listen to me Boy, that's a smart fellow there. Um, and so I think that was part of it was, was uh, it just, it, it, at the time it made sense, right? And we didn't imagine at the time, look, we had, we had the opening of our relationship with China and it was going to be a new day, right? We went through that with the Cold War, right? And we finished the Cold War, the, the wall fell, and suddenly we were all like, oh, there's got to be a peace dividend here, right? Um, we, we keep repeating the same mistakes. We came out of, of World War II, as an example. I, this may not be the best example, but we came out of World War II, 
at the time we had the uh, Office of Strategic Services, which was the predecessor to um, uh, the CIA. So World War II ends, and like the next day, um, you know, Truman says, uh, thanks very much. You know, now close the doors on, on the OSS, right? Sent Bill Donovan home. Don't let the screen door hit your ass on the way out. And they shut it down because they imagined, that's it. Well, you know, why do we possibly need this organization that's, you know, out there doing special operations and gathering intelligence and, you know, we won. And so they stopped it. And then, the, you know, the Soviets went on the march and suddenly they were like, okay, fuck it, maybe we need it. So they started the CIA, right? And that's, that's, the, uh, that, that's the lesson that should have been learned from there was you're always going to need an intel apparatus that helps support national security concerns. Um, so there was that. Then we had the opening of, of uh, a relationship again with China, and I think there was this imagining that suddenly things were different, right? We were going we were gonna to grow, and, and, and that really, the, the, the entire uh, interconnectedness of our economies just blew up at that point. It really expanded, and so, you know, we maybe didn't see um, exactly what their plans and intentions and motivations were, you know, and we always mirror our values, right? So... You know, we imagine everybody's marching towards democracy, and that's not how it, how it works. So I think we, you know, that's that's in part how we ended up in this situation. But now, there again, there's more effort and more understanding, I think, um, to go ahead and, um, you know, uh, onshore and, and be more concerned about the supply chain. And you're right, the pandemic pointed that out, right, pretty clearly. Um, and, and I think maybe that helped accelerate the process. But it's going to take years. Look, it takes... It, it, it takes years just to do the simple things, right? I, I, we talked about the mining issue and critical minerals and the things that we need to lessen our dependence on China's control over critical minerals. You're talking about six, eight, nine, ten years, right, to get a mine open in the U.S., right? So, you know, you think down the road. We, we better, you know, I guess my point is we better accelerate our ability to do this, right, just to be pragmatic. Maybe, hopefully, one day we're all holding hands and everybody's, singing kumbaya and you know unicorns are flying out our ass but i think it's probably not going to happen so we we just need to be a little uh more aware yeah yeah i yeah. sound i sound very cynical well with good reason yeah. it seems like a good time to be a little bit cynical yeah uh, yeah i suppose i mean um <laughs> Yeah, I remember my wife told me uh, yesterday when I was leaving. She says, "Try to be, try to be more positive, more optimistic." Uh, yeah, she said. She, she says, "I worry you always sound like you're really negative, and you're you always you, well, you just you know, informed." Yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. I, yeah, I think I've spent enough time. I've just been. I've been. I've gotten very cynical about the way that countries interact with each other and the and our ability to to be uh, realistic about that rather than just design strategies based on what we'd hope for or what we feel like would be good to happen. Right. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. Eh. What's your take on all this UAP disclosure oh, shit? I'm shocked that you would ask that. <laughs> Come on, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was, that, was a, that was a fascinating hearing. That was a fascinating hearing. Yeah. Um, and was it shocking at all to you? No, no. I think uh, I mean it was. It was. I I loved uh, listening and and, but I, I I can't say that anything came out of it, even with with uh, uh, Dave uh, Grush's testimony. I mean he 
kind of come out there before, but I think um, I, a couple of things. I think it's 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 excellent that we're actually having these hearings and that there's a subcommittee and that they're actually um, looking at this issue because I think the more transparency, the problem the government's had in the past is not being transparent enough. Um, and so I think that was great. I think David Fravor, I've had a chance to sit with him in the past. And What was your impression? Uh, he's, I think he's very credible. I think he's very credible. I was talking with Jamie earlier. You don't get, you know, you don't get to that point, right? You're not uh, a commanding officer on a carrier. He was on the Nimitz at the time when he, in 2004. You don't get to that point by being irrational or hallucinating up in the air or, you know, just being whimsical. Um, and the same with the other fellow, Ryan Graves, the other pilot. He was flying Hornets out of, out of Virginia Beach uh, about 10 years later when they were, he reported on some of these incidents. So that, to me, is is very credible. And I have not seen anything from the Pentagon or from the government that, as an example, explains uh, Fravor's uh, encounter. And, and also, I mean, look, he had a wingman. Uh, uh, her name was uh, Alex Dietrich. She was a lieutenant commander at the time. Um, she observed the same thing. And they have radar lock, right, down on the carrier. Um, they knew what they were... They, 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 there wasn't just one person looking up in the sky and saying, all right, see a light. You know, or I see something. Right? This right. was this was a, a, a very legit sighting, and there's no there's been no explanation as to what it is. So it is a legitimate uh, UAP, uh, unidentified, you know, anomalous or anomaly, uh, you know, phenomena. Um, and I, so I think that's that's one thing. I, I, I find David Fravor extremely credible. I've never met Ryan Graves, but uh, again, given his experience and given the fact that um, you know, they weren't, he wasn't the only person seeing this, right, uh, off of uh, Virginia Beach back in 2014. And with Ryan Graves, when they upgraded their sensors, they upgraded the capabilities of these jets, that's when they started seeing all these things. And he said it was shocking yeah. that they were encountering them all the time. Yeah, and some of those, fine, you can, you know, whatever they may be, they're just, you know, you've got a you know, a uh, more sophisticated uh, system on board. You're just seeing um, things out there that you wouldn't have picked up before. Okay. And and so some of those things then become um, maybe sightings that then are explained, right? Well, what is it? Is it a balloon? Is it a drone? What, what, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, when you when you get a, an experienced pilot flying by and saying, hey, I saw something, it was a, you know, cube inside a sphere, um, well, okay. Well, let's let's at least log it, record it without any um, criticism or pushback, right? Have a way to investigate, and that's been their problem, and that's what they talked about during the hearing. Also, again, they've talked about this before, but if you if you stigmatize, uh, you know, the the pilots that are seeing these things, then yeah, of course you want to get. It. And what did what did uh, Graves say? He said like five percent get reported, mm-hmm. right? So. And that's because nobody wants to, you know, get back on deck or land and, and say, yeah, I saw so. <laughs> yeah, I saw a UAP or I saw a UFO back in the day. Um, so you have to make the system more accessible, right, for the sightings. And then you have to have a way for national security purposes to investigate them. Um, what do you think yeah. these things are? I don't know. What's that's your gut? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think... I, I think, A, they, 
the logic of um, of saying that we're we're doing this because if you have something out there that you observe that you can't identify propulsion or any sort of you know uh, known to us systems, then yeah, that's a problem. So a is it is it a uh, hostile element? Is there a, first of all is it a, is it just some something that is, you know is, is showing up on the radar and it's a natural phenomenon and it's a whatever parallax or whatever they call it? Then fine. Or is it something from a uh, a foreign government? That new technology being developed, propulsion systems, material science, whatever it may be, and they are working on these things all the time, right? Hypersonics is the perfect example, right? The Chinese and, and the Russians are, frankly, still ahead of us in hypersonics capabilities, right? Because they've invested longer and more effort into um, developing hypersonics uh, systems. So you have to figure out: is it a hostile foreign government doing this? And then the other part is: all right, well, is it non? whatever Dave Grush says, non-human, or is it a, is it a you know, uh, legitimately from, not from, from Earth? That can't be taken off the table, right? I mean, look, it's, um, we, you know, we've said this before. I, I'm not smart enough to know what I don't know, right? I, I mean, well, maybe I, maybe I am. But we've explored such a tiny, tiny part of space, right, that it would be ridiculous for us to think that we don't, you know, that we, that we can write it off, right? right. That it's not there. Right? I have no idea, right? But I do know that you can't discount anything because, again, going back to the reason why you do it, it's in our national security interest to figure out what the hell it might be. And at some point, if you end up, if you start with, like right now, the, the new office, the new office is whatever it's called, <laughs> typical government, the all-domain uh, anomaly resolution office, right? Yeah. It's, that's what they came up with Hilarious. at the Pentagon, yeah. So this guy uh, or this person, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick, runs it, I think. He's the director. Um, and they've said they've got, what, upwards of 800 cases that they're investigating. So, Jeez. Yeah, and, and it's growing. I mean, you know, some reports say it's growing by like 100, 150 cases a month, right, in terms of sightings. They then get logged in, and now they've got to investigate. Well, that's a smart thing, right? They do that. And maybe you take off 90% of them or even more, but you end up with this short list of things, perhaps like the Tic Tac in 2004 with David Fravor, where you just don't have an explanation. Okay, fine. Then, then, then you know, be, but be more, be more transparent about it, right? And Ryan Graves said something interesting during the, the hearings, and he said that if, if, um, if the general public or if, if Congress ha could see the sensor uh, and video data that he's seen, then it would change the national conversation. Right? That's a really interesting statement from an a experienced uh, former uh, pilot, right? from an F-18 pilot. Uh, so that deserves more scrutiny. Right? And that also means, well, maybe the government should release a few more you know, videos that they may have. Maybe they should release some of it because they haven't released radar data. They haven't really been open about that. And so the, you know, there's still information or data points on the Tic Tac, for instance, that hasn't been released. It's considered still classified. Well, you know what? What the fuck? You know, tell us why not. I mean, what, what is it? I mean, if, if, you, if, you, if you honestly haven't figured out whether it's um, foreign technology or not, then maybe you should put it out there. And maybe the, 
the, the commercial sector will help you in that investigation, right? Because what would be the motivation to not be transparent about it? And and is there any possibility that any of this stuff is ours, like the Tic Tac? Um, is it possible that there's some black ops well thing going on where they've developed some advanced system of propulsion that is completely independent from you know burning fossil fuels and shooting them out the back to propel something to go forward yeah yeah um i yes is the answer i think there is that possibility um and one thing that dave grush said look i don't know i don't know about his his comments about because he was speaking from look i haven't seen any of this you know i've gotten it from interviewing you know dozens of witnesses this is you know what i know and this is what i believe now but one thing that he did say was that he believes, uh, and he's seen, he says, um, evidence that uh, the government is misappropriating funds, right, um, in order to prevent government oversight of certain programs. Right? Mm. Now, is that true? I don't know. But is it a practice that has occurred in the past where they will bury a program, right, inside another budget? And the answer is yes, that they've done that, you know, repeatedly for secrecy reasons, right? Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, um, that was the premise for uh, America's favorite show, Black Files Declassified. That is America's favorite show, isn't it? It is America's favorite show, yes. Um, I think you're the host of it. I I was. as uh, America's TV sweetheart for a while. Um, And so the premise of that show was follow the money, right? Right. And, and, And it... It's a great premise, right? I mean, look, because at some point, just like with the Biden administration, you know, situation and they're looking at their bank records, there will be a trail somewhere. That money has to eventually show up somewhere. And usually it's a line item that's not easily explained, usually in some mundane terms, whatever it might be. So Graves is absolutely correct in the sense that that's something worth looking at, right? And if there are programs like that, then the reason is, okay, we're keeping it secret because we don't want uh, the Chinese regime to know or we don't want the Russians to know. Um, and, and so, you know, again, having come from where I come from, I get it, sources and methods. And there are reasons for secrets at times. But uh, if that's not the case, then I see no reason not to be more open and transparent about uh, some of the other information that they may have and the sightings they have. You know, I know Graves was talking about they've got biologics and, yeah. you know, those things. Um, Did Graves say that? I know that. Oh, uh, not Graves. Grush. No, no, Grush said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, not, yeah, that was yeah, not Grush. Yeah, Grush said there's frozen bodies. Yeah, yeah. And that there's a crash retrieval program. Crash retrieval. That was a big one. That caused a big stir. It's been running for decades, he said. I think, I, I think he said that... Uh, he said that the government, in his, in his opinion, based on his interviews, as he was working, I think, with the National Reconnaissance Office, and he was tasked with going around and, you know, identifying the programs that were related to UAPs, he said that um, the U.S. government was likely aware of non-human um, activities since, like, the 1930s. Now, what I would say... Is based on my years of experience with the government. Um, it, it, it's it's really hard for them to keep a secret, right? And that's a monumental secret. And at some point, you know, it's human act- activity and human nature. Someone's going to open up their pie hole. Wasn't well, that what Bob Lazar did? Yeah, yeah. 
and now when you pay attention to some of the video footage that has been released about these uh, unidentified objects, and when you listen to what Bob Lazar said about how these things operate, it mimics that. Not only that, like the way he described the propulsion method. Whoa. That's a good save. Yeah, thank you very All much. Right. I set the whole studio on fire. Um, it, it mimics what he said. He also talked about, you know, that there was uh, some possibility that there was this, this this crash retrieval program is what he was working on, but he said there was some talk about biological entities. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's mixed mixed feelings about how, you know, how reliable Bob Lazar, you know, is, was. I mean, sorry. Yeah. And so, um, but, and it's not a new assertion, right? I mean, there's been right. talk about this before, so. But that's my point about yeah. secrecy. Yeah, and, and, and I think, but if that's, I guess, yeah, I, I, my, my, my point on that is um, not only that they, people can't keep their pile show, but there would have been more detailed information. That something would have come out. That, again, that's, that's my own feeling. I, I just have a hard time believing the government is that good at keeping a secret, right? Sometimes it just seems like they can't organize panic in a doomed submarine. So I think that that's... From my perspective, that's a, a a question mark, right? Could they keep this secret that they've got frozen bodies of aliens sitting somewhere? Wouldn't you imagine, though, that if there was something like that, that the level of attention to detail to protect secrecy would be significantly ramped up? This yeah. wouldn't be something as simple as developing a new fighter jet where, you know, you have these... Uh, you know, you, you essentially have these corporations that are that design these vehicles for the U.S. government. You have defense contractors. And one of the assertions was that these are the people that have access to these things because they're trying to back engineer it. And if you were yeah. going to back engineer it, you would do so under the guise of someone who makes those things. It's not like the government themselves are the, the engineers and the people that are involved, it's people that work for the government right. and often defense contractors. Well, uh, yeah, contractors, um, government entities, agencies. Right. I mean, look, you know, the, 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 I mean, the CIA was responsible for locating the, the ground where Area 51 sits, right, mm -hmm. all those years ago. So they would have a, a role to play. You're right. Um, the commercial world would have a role to play, the subcon or the defense contractors. Um, others, I'm sure. I mean, it's, so... The, it becomes a, a growing circle of people who would be involved in, in an effort like that. But it would be a fun secret to keep. It would be, be a hell of a secret to keep. But That, that would be a yeah. fun one. Yeah. If you're working yeah. on something like that, oh, could you, yeah. boy, could I tell you some shit. You go home, you know, yeah. the kids say, what'd you do today, Dad? And you're like, uh... I touched metal that's from another planet. Yeah. I dissected an alien. Um, a 3D printed that. model designed to house <laughs> three-foot-tall creatures from another galaxy. But it's a... <laughs> But I think there's look. I, we do also tend to imagine. Look, we can only like when we look at uh, or when uh, when Fravor. It was interesting. Fravor looks at the Tic Tac, right? They, in, the, in the you know in Dietrich, and they're, they're looking at this and and they're trying to interpret it based on what we know right now, right? So our technological limitations, right, kind of define how we imagine things could go, right? I, but you know, we only know physics in the way that we know it, right? So that so, it is interesting to to think about how we 
put it, which is how you ended up with little green men, right? Well, if they're aliens, they might, they probably look like us sort of, but let's make them a little different, you know, let's make them three foot tall. But who knows what the hell it looks like out there, right? And it's just, but I guess, you know, again, you, we've explored so little of space, right? I mean, we still don't know what's, you know, in, in all the oceans, right? We're still right. surprised when we find something in the oceans. Well, and, that's what's fascinating you know, also about these stories is that there seems to be these, uh, vehicles that can travel into the water as well yeah and this is this has been documented by video as well yeah and that's what i mean that's what they first noticed right i mean with uh, with the tic tac was they noticed a disturbance in the water right the water was roiling and they said the weather was perfect right there was no there were no white caps there was nothing there was just this one area of disturbance and that was the first thing they noticed and then they saw the the whatever it was um but again, I go back to like, like, okay, I'm, I'm buying what Fravor's selling, right? It's just that you then we don't have what's at the end of that dotted line. We don't know what it is, but I'm glad that we're we're exploring it in a more serious way now. I'm glad that the the Pentagon to at least and and it, maybe it happens incrementally, right? But at least they've come out now. You know, they said, okay, we have a tip or the whatever it was the advanced. Aeronautical Threat Identification Program, which supposedly shut down in 2012 or so, or two, yeah, 2012, I think it was. Of course, they didn't shut it down, right? They just put it into a different program, um, and because the threat was still there, right? There's still concern over, okay, what is flying over, particularly sensitive facilities, right? There was that, um, there was that uh, swarming, right? Or the 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 swarm that went around the uh, the uh, what USS Omaha, right? I think, the, right? The ones that look like pyramids. Yeah, yeah. And so there were like nine of them, yeah. or I think at, at a maximum there were nine of them, and um, you know they they still haven't figured out what what the hell that is. But did those things exhibit in any sort of capabilities that are beyond our imagination? Um, I don't think they operated an insane movement. Not not necessarily. Um, they disappeared in a way that couldn't be explained, right? And a couple of them appeared to just go into the water, uh, to your point about, you know, mm-hmm. there's been those incidents. medium devices. So, um, you know, and they did have, they did have radar imagery on these, on these items, but, you know, and, and I think, um, so anyway, I, what they might be, you know, again, it's, it's, nothing was solved as a result of the hearing, right? Obviously, and I think, People were excited, and they're always excited when there's going to be something like this. In the previous hearing, and the, you know, the, the, this this world, this UAP world, starts talking, and the, but you know, every hearing ends up the same way in a sense because we don't get a resolution, which then leads to more suspicion that the government's hiding something, which has always been the case, right? For decades now, that's that's where it tends to end up. Well, the government's hiding something; they're right. just not telling us. There is the possibility that they just don't fucking know, right? right? And rather than holding on to evidence and trying to keep it a secret, which, uh, again, I go, you know, it's 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 but, tough. But you do know. you think that if it's ours, like say the Tic Tac is ours, is it possible that the government could create some advanced propulsion system and do so in complete secrecy as well? Well, that's what that's uh, nineteen years ago. Yes, and you know, nineteen years we hold on to you know, that sort of capability and technology and, um, and for whatever reason, don't deploy it. Right. Um, yeah, look, I mean, we, yeah, as, as an aside, uh, the CIA, we've got a, uh, there's a, 
it used to be called science and technology, right? It's where they create all the gear, all the amazing things. The science and technology directorate at the agency over the years has, has developed incredible things, right? Responsible for the U-2, responsible for satellite capabilities, uh, battery technology, right? All the things that they've done over the years. Um, and oftentimes they'd create just sort of gadgetry, right? Not, and I don't want to simplify it and minimize it, but it's important stuff, but, you know, for lack of a better word. And oftentimes there was a concern. We don't want to release this. We don't want to put it out in the field to be used because we don't want it to fall into, you know, into the wrong hands, right? And then they right. realize that we've got this capability, right? So it's much like we talked about before. If you get a, a target in your sights, maybe you want to watch that target for a period of time to understand what it's capable of doing, what it's doing. You don't want to just let out, you know, okay, well, we're going to... So, yeah, is it possible we developed a new propulsion system and... You know, we're just playing a game where we're saying, okay, we're still working on hypersonics, you know, and air breathing engines, and we're trying to see what we can do here. And, and you know, and meanwhile, we've got this in our back pocket, right, waiting for someday. It's a possibility. In my mind, I think, hey, if that's the case, good on them for being smart enough to, to be uh, that clever and also to be able to keep a secret. Is that more plausible than it coming from another planet, in your opinion? Or another dimension or whatever the explanation is? Um <clears throat> you know what? That's a, that's a great question. You should have your own podcast. Um, yeah, you know what? Is it more plausible? Um, but I mean, you what, know what I'm saying yeah. is like this, it's yeah. so revolutionary. Like yeah. If they do have this thing that is the ability to go from 50,000 feet above sea level to 50 feet in a second something that defies our current understanding of at least assuming there's a biological entity inside that thing let's yeah. let's assume there is yeah you know one of the the examinations of the video footage that they got from the jets they said the way that thing took off any biological being would be turned into yeah. jello yeah you which is just, yeah you would be pink mist yeah it's not just the g-force it's not the speed it's the it's the acceleration of yes. the, or the stopping that kills you yeah yeah so i think um yeah, I, I would assume it's unmanned, if that's the case. Well, there's no you know, windows in that thing. Right, it was completely... Right. So yeah. I guess the answer to your question is, um, I don't know. It seems uh, a long is it more, time. Is it more plausible than, than being from outside this world? Um, yeah, it's a good question, because I don't want to deny the fact that... I mean, I think it's incredible hubris to say we don't that there's nothing else out there. Right? Of course. And so... I don't want to. I don't want to lock myself into that corner of the room, um, but at the same time, um, that would represent a massive leap in material science, as as at least we're aware of it. Right. And uh, oh, look, I have a call. Um, and um, it, it's oh, it's Paul Rubens calling me from the... beyond. <laughs> uh, so uh, too soon. Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, it's. It, it, it speaks to, again, one of my points that I owe, because I'm so cynical, I just have a hard time believing that the U.S. government could keep secrets like that for that period of time, right? I just I have right. a really hard years. time believing that, yeah. Right. So, so what, what would have to take place in order for the government to be develop something, developing something that's so superior to what we understand in terms of what's possible with propulsion systems like how would they fund that how would they hide that how would they get the scientists involved yeah. and the engineers what what would they 
have to do in order to develop something like this? Well, it would be, it would be similar. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to a program, right? So uh, in, in inside the government and the military, you know, you develop a program. You come up with an idea. Okay, this is what we want to do. Right. We think this is possible. Or we're going to work to make this happen. And right? there has you been know. some discussion of magnetic propulsion systems. Yes. Yeah. And gravity propulsion systems, some, something that defies what we understand is, is possible today. Way back yeah. in the 60s, they were talking about this. Yeah, and, and, and theoretically. And more recently, too. I mean, there's yeah. been some, some, you know, although theoretically they looked at it in, in, in the recent past and, and said it's just, you know, it's, it's not worth pursuing. Uh, but um, to your question, the, the, the program concept would be the same. You have that, and then you say, okay, now we got to. We got to allocate a budget to it, right? We got to do that. Obviously, it's so it has sensitive. Has to be an enormous budget. It has to be an enormous budget. Look, I mean, but but the the known U.S. defense budget now roughly is is uh, eight hundred billion a year or so, a little over, probably mm -hmm. give or take. <laughs> so you should, could siphon some of that off. You would to move some, some yeah. program. You would move you would it to a program. Put it as a line item in some other innocuous program, um, and. Then that again, that has happened when we're talking about developing uh, something as, as you know, sort of not say pedestrian, but as straightforward as like surveillance aircraft, right? Then um, we would you, you put that money somewhere else. You develop the program. You get the the, the team that's going to be working on it, whether it's at Skunk Works or somewhere, right? And but you sometimes have to turn to the same usual suspects, right? Which is why I bring up Skunk Works, right? And you have to do these. You know, because there's, you know, at the end of the day, there's not that many material scientists with that, you know, capability, level of, of intelligence um, and experience. Uh, and so then you go from there and, and you, you know, you work like hell to keep it secret, which, again, that if they've done that, you know, I consider that a, a that'd be a great win. Because right now, um, we're still trying to play a little bit of catch up on hypersonics. And that's the, the next theater, right? I mean, mm -hmm. aside from, um, you know, cyber warfare and, and, and warfare in space, you know, and space has already been weaponized, hypersonics is, is it, right? And so, you know, we're already seeing deployment of hypersonics. And look, to be fair, okay, you know, ballistic missiles, you know, you know that, that it's, it's all, you know, the difference between a hypersonic and a ballistic missile is, is a maneuverability, right? Which um, creates at the speed, it creates this, 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 uh, you keep shortening the gap for response time, right? So if you fire an ICBM, you know what the tra uh, trajectory is. Uh, you know, a, a hypersonic, you know, glide vehicle, you don't know, right? It comes at you so fast and it comes from different directions and you can't predict, so it defeats air defense systems, which is why it's so important. Um, but we're still playing catch up there. So is uh, this what we're saying publicly? That we're playing catch up, and is it possible that we aren't playing catch up? It's possible, sure. I, and again, I would hope so. Uh, that'd be great if that's the case. But um, would it be possible that they would keep that a secret? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, if I was, you know, if I was in charge of that program, yeah, I would say, why, why would we give up our capabilities? Right. right. So yes, to go back to the original, if they develop this uh, alternative propulsion system, that's and they, they, and again, part of this is the is the material science, right? Because you, you're punching through the air. You know, it's such a, a speed that it's it's changing everything, right? It's changing the dynamics of flight. It's it, it, and 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 it's it is a massive uh, hurdle to overcome. And but that's what everybody's working on. So 
you know, were they capable of working on this and they developed something like that or were testing it back 19 years ago when Fravor saw whatever he saw? Yeah, it's a, it's a great th- sort of theoretical exercise to think about that. Um, and Because you know. the reason why I say this is I don't know why I have these instincts, but because you know I'm a UFO nut, right? I've Clearly. not heard Fucking that. Look around. Nobody says that. They right? should. I'm full. I'm on board. Yeah. But I feel like it's bullshit. I don't feel like it's real. And I don't know why I feel like it's fake. I wonder. What's, what's, what do you mean by that? What's, what's all fake? All the, 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 the grush stuff. All okay. the disclosure yeah. stuff. All the biological entities. The recovered vehicles. The, the recovery program. The back engineering program. There's something about it to me that just seems like bullshit. And I don't know why I have this overwhelming instinct that's bullshit. So do you think Rush is, is like part of the... I don't think he's... Yeah, I, I yeah. think he's probably what they would call a useful idiot. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. a, a guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm not discourage, uh, disparaging him in any way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if he's telling the truth, I'm very happy that he came forward. I think what he did is very courageous. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that if I wanted to release some bullshit and I wanted to put out a fake narrative to obscure something that we're working on. That's how I would do it. I would mm-hmm. get some information to a guy and encourage him to leak it and then encourage him to have these hearings and, and, and talk about all this stuff and put all this weirdness out there where it kind of confuses the narrative, mm-hmm. like what is real and what's not real. I, I Just something about it to me, and this is again, but here's part of my, yeah. my feeling on it too. If disclosure was real, if they are, if they, we really are visited and we have been being visited since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. wouldn't that, maybe my feeling is that that would seem so alien that that would seem fake anyway. Because I always felt like if there was a moment of disclosure, if there was a moment where, you know, the president got on television and gave a press conference and said, we are not alone. And we, we know this for a fact now, and th- this is what we and this is our concern. This is what we have to worry about with, in terms of national security, in terms of whether or not they're malevolent. I, I feel like that by itself would be so alien, even if it was true, that it would seem fake. And so that's my conflict. My conflict is: I'm wondering, does it seem like bullshit to me? Because if it is real, it would be so bizarre that it would n- necessarily seem like bullshit, or is it just too tidy for me? Mm-hmm. Does it just not seem right? Because it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem right. And this is, again, I'm not calling anyone a liar. Right, I'm not, right. It just seems like bullshit, and I don't know why. Yeah, I think part of it is we're kind of conditioned to assume that the government hides information from us, right? right? Oftentimes not uh, for any necessary national security reasons and just because it's such a large operation and they just it can sometimes seem very um, whimsical or capricious why they don't you know provide some level of disclosure on about things but but uh, I think with with Grush I think here's my take on it I think he believes what he's saying right I think he has gone out there. I think I'm legit. Look, he was a f- whatever 14-year veteran of military and, and uh, national reconnaissance office, and and I think he went out and he talked to enough people, and he 
he believes it. I don't think he's out there like spinning a, a yarn and is worried that now he's gotten over his skis and he's said, you know, too many things. And now he's, but, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel like it's tidy. And maybe the difference between us is I, I spent, you know, a lot of time with the government and, um, the government is, is, uh, is, Sometimes can be really, really uh, dysfunctional. And I just, it goes back to keeping a secret. The idea that they could have this, this, what essentially is a covert action campaign, you know, to spread this information about what they actually know, right? When the easier thing to do is just to have the program, you know, if, if, if again, if it's, it's the U.S. government's, you know, development of technology, right? And, and, and we're doing this, to have the program and just keep your yap shut about it, not go for a disinformation campaign, not try to muddy the waters by doing this, because in a sense, you're just creating more conversation around it. You're creating, you know, now there's a little bit of a, you know, movement within Congress to say, we have to do this, now we have to, so they're gonna look perhaps for a misappropriation of funds, right? Because mm -hmm. they're not gonna pursue like the UAP issue necessarily, right? But, but they might be interested in pursuing the misappropriation of funds. So if you're running a program, if it, if it didn't, again, going back to the idea that it's a U.S. government thing, if you're running a program, that's the last thing you want to do is because you've, you're, you're doing this program to avoid government oversight. You're not going to create, you know, this alternative narrative that, you know, could generate the sort of publicity or the conversation, particularly up on Capitol Hill, that causes them to then start looking and saying, well, where is money being spent? Right. Right. Because there is a trail there and that could right. cause a problem. Um, so, yeah. Um, what, so what yeah. are your instincts? When you look at it, if I'm if I'm looking at it, I'm saying something's wrong. It seems like bullshit. What mm -hmm. what what are your instincts? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I would like to. You know, I don't think we're going to get there. But my instinct is to say, how do we solve the? How do we solve this? Or how do we? How do we come to some sort of uh, logical resolution? As opposed to saying, what is it? Right off the bat, my instinct is to say, all right, if the all domain. <laughs> anomalous or anomaly resolution office has 800 cases then tell us what those 800 cases are let's work our way through them or have a little bit more transparency about working through those cases again you'll probably whittle them down right to I mean, when we were doing black files and we were going around talking to people about you know various sightings and things you're basically just crossing things off going okay that was this that was this that was mm -hmm. this you know you find some pretty mundane answers you know but you whittle it down to maybe one or two things that you can't explain, and then you can investigate those and say, okay, all right, let's 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 dig further on these. But right now it's just like all over the map and they've got so many cases and they just kind of lump it all together. Um, are they doing that to, to obfuscate and create, you know, uh, this 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 situation where it, it does seem like bullshit? And, and I, again, I, I, I don't know, but I think um, I'm not willing to shut the door on saying that, that those – handful of those few sightings that where we do have technical data we got video we got you know radar lock we got we got gun camera footage whatever it may be that can't be explained i'm not willing to close the door and saying well it's you know you know is it because who knows maybe china's doing the same thing you know oh we're leading the hypersonic race right now great but they've got another program you know and they were responsible for the tic tac right so we, we we have to pursue it and if that leads us to the doorstep that says oh that's a u.s government program and they've developed the technology okay you know fine but you know i realize that you know i i just 
I'm not willing to close the door on saying it could be something else. It could be otherworldly, right? Because I just, yeah. I just don't it know. It could be. It could be. I just there, don't know. There yeah, is who a, knows? that problem of yeah. the infinite nature of space, which seems to actually be getting bigger. Yeah, there was yeah. a good way of putting it that, that uh, uh, my wife, who's uh, a hell of a lot smarter than I am, um, tried to explain it to me, and I kept looking at it like this. And she, and, but she had, heard a, she had heard a program at one point where the, the person explained it like, okay, imagine how vast the ocean is, right? And, you know, how you, 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 we've explored the ocean. But then you look at space and how immense it is, right, compared to the ocean, right? Right. The amount that we've explored in space, right, is equivalent to like a wine glass full of ocean water, right? So you take a wine glass full of ocean water, you look at it and you go, eh, there's nothing there, right? You know, there's all those life forms, <laughs> there's all, that, right. all those fish in the sea. It's kind of like that. And then, you know, you think about space and you think about what we know and what we don't know and how we imagine, like our limited capacity to imagine what life outside of Earth could look like. Right. So it, it yeah. But when you hear talk of like crashed retrieval programs, yeah, that that keeps taking me back, and is you know to this this whole idea of um, if there was a crash retrieval and reverse engineering program like David Grush talked about and had been in existence for decades, um, somebody would have fucking opened their yap. And talked about it. I think I, other than Bob Lazar, other than Bob Lazar, and they would have had some better specifics, right? I mean, that's always the thing. That's it's always where it falls down. Well, I haven't seen it, but I talked to somebody who knows that it exists, right? And I think maybe it's because we're human, we're programmed to actually want physical evidence, yeah. right? We want to actually see it before we believe it. Um, but you know that that really hasn't happened yet. What's one of the things that's fascinating is the narrative has shifted so wildly from it's completely preposterous to credible people like David Fravor and Ryan Graves and all these different people that are talking about multiple sightings, things that completely defy our understanding of what a vehicle is capable of doing, hovering yeah. completely motionless in 120 knot winds, uh, all the the whole you know, whatever that thing is, the, the cube inside a sphere that they keep yeah. seeing over and over again. Right. Like Almost when, hit one of the aircraft. Yeah. You know, and, and, what the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah. And then they land. So I think, you know, one of the good developments out of all of this and one of the things that may eventually lead to transparency, right, because it will, it will provide an avenue for these sightings, whether it's commercial or military pilots, as an example, to report it. Right. And to be more and, and, and for the government to take perhaps, you know, again, it depends on whether, <laughs> whether it's a big conspiracy or not to um, to investigate in a, in a, in a more logical manner and in, in a more detailed manner. So I, I think just, again, the sheer act that we're talking about it, which then takes me back to the idea that, you know, if you're running a secret program, you don't want people talking about it. So you're not going to muddy the waters with a false narrative if you don't have to. Right. You know, if your concern is that someone's getting close to the truth and you got to do okay, then maybe so. But, um, you know. Do you think it's also possible that there are patriots that do think that the American public deserves to know about this information and they have been sitting on it for a long time? Um, that people like yeah. David Grush and all these various people that are coming out and more apparently are wanting to come out. But. Yeah. Well, interesting thing with Grush is, look, he's, he said so during the hearing, right? He said, I can't talk about that. I could talk about it in a skiff, right? In, yes. a, in a sensitive, uh, secure uh, environment. 
all right, well, if I'm, you know, one of the people on, on that subcommittee, I'm going to say, you know what, uh, to my staff, schedule, uh, you know, a skiff meeting with Grush. Get him in here mm-hmm. and let's, you know, have him talk uh, classified shit. Right. Um, so that would be the next logical step in all of this. Have right? they done that yet? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know. It's, when he said, <laughs> uh, I could talk to you about it in a skiff, has, have people taken him up on that? Well, they, well I'd. I, you know, you'd have to, you you'd have to ask him. No, I wouldn't. Know. Right, and they yeah. wouldn't tell anybody. And they wouldn't. Anyway. T- and they wouldn't tell him. And therein lies part of the problem. Because right. if, if he sits there and, but if he sits in the skiff and and continues to kind of say, well, like you know, okay, I, I don't, you guys aren't clear to to hear this, and I can't. Uh, all right, right. Then, then you got to start questioning, you know, what he's actually got or what he what he knows for sure, rather right. than just having this this you know witness interviews and sort of secondhand information. But I am I'm much more. I guess the point is I'm much more interested in the direct sightings than uh, witness interviews, right? Right, and the thing about him is he's not really a witness, right? He hasn't had any personal encounters with anything. Right. He hasn't had personal encounter with a craft. He hasn't seen a retrieved craft. He hasn't seen the biological entities. These are all just programs that he's been made aware of that he felt like people needed to know about. Yeah. And, That's the narrative. And, I, and I, again, not to disparage anybody, right? I mean, right. look, he's, you know, if in fact... Um, you know, uh, somebody leaked his medical records, which it looks like, you know, did happen, right? Then that's, that, you know, that's, that's pretty bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to in- figure out what the hell is hey, happening let's see there. This. The information from Grush, who said he was unable to discuss specifics on what he told the Pentagon's watchdog arm, lawmakers want to sit down with a former official in a sensitive compartmented information facility, a skiff to get additional information from him. The group has been blocked, however, by officials that have informed them that Grush doesn't currently have security clearance to discuss the issues in a skiff, according to Burchett. We think that we'll get there eventually. It's just frustrating. I'm ready to go, and the American public are ready to go, he said. Luna argued that the skiff with Grush could help lawmakers better understand the type of legislation they need to write regarding UAPs, she said she supports legislation that would declassify information on the phenomenon. So there seems to be some issue of secrecy and what, what's possible to discuss or what's legal to discuss. Well, but yeah, look, the, the government casts a very wide net when you're talking about classified information. Right. right. I mean, the, the government has overclassified information for decades and decades. Right. And you've got secret, top secret, you know, code word, you know, um, and, you know, they, they tend to just hoover everything up and classify it right and and then it takes fucking forever right to go through that process of declassification and, and because nobody wants to put their neck out at that point and say yeah let's declassify this right, right. once it's once it's in that pot um so but it, the, the question is great you know you're saying you know you can talk about it in the skiff well damn it then that's the next that that's what the subcommittee should be doing that, that's their job right if they're curious right and if they're sincere about trying to get to the bottom of this and that's theoretically their job then they should because again going back to the main thing and people can say well why are you wasting your time on this but you can always circle back to the top line which is it's for national security purposes we want to know what the hell's going on right and and you know if so yeah we'll see i guess that's the that's the question that should be thrown at, at grush or should be thrown at the subcommittee members I'm also shocked at how few people care. I feel like people are so overloaded with information today because of social media and because of the news cycle. You're just so, people are so overloaded with information that this barely registered on people other than UFO nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there was a there was a surprising amount, I thought, anyway, of, of sort of mainstream media coverage. It wasn't particularly uh, deep, right? It just kind of covered, okay, it was a hearing. And I think they did it because, oh, look, it's UFOs or UAPs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they knew they'd get some clicks on it if they were putting it online or whatever. And, and um, they didn't pursue it, you know, like has been any, I haven't seen any stories that talked about the follow-up right. know, with Grush. Um, there were a couple of stories talking about the, you know, the, the fact that perhaps his medical records were leaked, you know, as a result. And the of medical this. records showed what that he had some sort of a psychiatric condition, um, that he had an event or something like that. PTSD. Uh, I think he, you know, some suicidal depression issues. Standard I think. stuff with military veterans. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had been he had done his time in Afghanistan, yeah. right? And so um, that doesn't, yeah, it means nothing, and uh, except nothing. for the fact that it shouldn't be out there, right? right? Those records should be damn well private. Well, not but, only that, isn't that what we want? Why don't you shut your little dinger off there, fella? Is that is that me going that's off? you. Yeah, that's why your phone rang, too. What the too. hell? Yeah, Got to learn how to use that little switch on the side. Um, <laughs> but that, Thank you for my ID lesson. Isn't that what you want from, I mean, that's the whole purpose of providing these services for veterans, that when they do have suicidal, th- suicidal thoughts and they are struggling with PTSD, that they get help. I mean, the the idea that they're yep. shaming him and saying that his report is not credible because of this seems it's ridiculous. Bullshit. Yeah. It's totally bullshit. Yeah, and 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 he said he he's come out since and said, look, I did seek help. I you know I'm in a better place. Um, and he was happy that people were talking about it. They should be talking about yes. it. Look, it's we 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 lose a shocking number of veterans to suicide, yes. right? And it's disgusting that we don't you know that the government doesn't work harder at this, right? And right. spend more effort. You know, I know I know a couple of people who do amazingly good work at the VA in terms of counselors, right? They're not managers, they're not executives. They work with the veterans every day, right? And it's incredible what they do. But uh, overall, as a, as a government, our, our assistance, right, to veterans, um, I mean, you look at the number of homeless, situa- it, it, it's, it's, it's pathetic. And so when he talks about it, um, it's it's good that he's talking about it, right? I think that that transparency helps, and 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 he clearly views it that way too. And he said, "Look, I I don't have any problem with with discussing it, but we should be concerned by the fact that you know somehow his medical records were were put out there, and then you know some people will look at that and go, well, is that the government's effort to discredit him, you know, or is that or or is that somebody's effort to discredit him? Um, I, I don't know why anybody else would. Why would you do that? Why would you put them out there? So." Uh, you know, I feel for the guy in that sense. I just can't evaluate or assess the veracity of what he's saying. Right. You know? So particularly the, the sort of the biologics thing that we, we're holding on to dead aliens. I, I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure about that part. You know, so. that's the that's the old story, the old legend about Nixon. And the Nixon and Jackie Gleason. Do you know that story? No. You don't know that story? No, I'm glad you I'm glad you were able to bring Nixon into this conversation. Yeah, Nixon apparently was drinking buddies with Jackie Gleason and they were tying one on and and Nixon was like, You wanna see some fucking shit? <laughs> so apparently they jumped in Air Force One, he took him to a base. And the legend goes that they showed him uh this retrieved UFO and they showed him alien bodies. And the the legend also goes that Jackie Gleason became a UFO nut after that. And one of the things that points to that is he actually had a home built in uh, New York State that was in the shape of a UFO. And uh, there's a, I mean, you could see the home. Yeah, it's like okay. this circular flying disc looking home that he had built in New York State. 
But supposedly he had it built. That's that's this is the house. Supposedly he had this thing built because it, you know, was a representation of what he had seen. Good God. Yeah, pretty wild shit. And that and someone so, well, yeah, it's Westchester County, so someone will yeah. pay twelve million for it. Yeah, I wish it was for sale. Oh God, Look I don't want to live there, but. Well, it's listed. See, is it that little nah, corner thinks that it was listed for $12 million. The CIA snatched it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had to get that under control. we got to shut this gotta up this right house. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Norton. Uh, <laughs> I used but to that's love a, that show. It's a great legend. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. There's been some dispute of whether or not it's true because what the source was his ex-wife. Is that what it was? Yeah. Is that what it was, Jeremy? Yeah, and they, they looked up. I, remember, I just looked this up the other day. They looked up that, that source, and it was like, from an interview that was in a magazine, an Esquire maybe, okay. and that Esquire can't be found anywhere. Mm. But that's possible with today. The disappearing Esquire? Yeah. Talking yeah. about an Esquire from 1970-whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I had no idea. I, I, did you ever see that? Uh, the, it was not that long ago, the Elvis and uh, Nixon movie. Did no. you ever see that? Oh, you Elvis see and that. Nixon movie? Yeah, I forget what it was called. Uh, it might have just been called Nixon and Elvis or something, but... Uh, it was a it was a great movie. It's a great watch. It's worth watching. It was only it was a short, relatively short movie. And it wasn't a documentary. It was a movie, and it was it was fantastic. Um, I, I, but I can't I can't remember the, well, the name of it. We um, have that photo of Elvis. Look at that. Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, it's Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, and it'll be like old times. You'll be able to go and, and watch Kevin Spacey back before he he got you know. Come on, man. Yeah. It was, Who's the it, dude that played Elvis? It looks like Johnny Knoxville. I don't know the guy? actor's name off the top of my head. Oh, hold on. Is it Michael Shannon? Is yeah, that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Wow. No, it it, it was it's it's He's well not quite it, yeah. handsome enough to play Elvis. I didn't realize that like, Colin Hanks Johnny was in Knoxville that. Johnny Knoxville was in there, yeah. <laughs> So that's a crap movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that movie sounds like it was lacking in a casting you should, budget. You should, you should watch it though. It, it was on, actually, man. it had its moments. It Dude, was actually very Kevin funny. Kevin Spacey is Nixon. Yeah. yeah, boy, that guy disappeared off the map, didn't he? Kevin Spacey. He was just exonerated. Yeah, at least some of those charges. Uh, but it seems like there was a lot of dick grabbing going on. A lot of dick grabbing, but it was he was also right in the fire line. He was at that that oh, yeah. perfect moment mm-hmm. of the storm. I right? mm-hmm. remember that that whole yeah. Me Too thing. He does have a reputation for dick grabbing, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I don't know about that, but he he played a good Nixon. He yeah, was, he was a damn well, fine Nixon. Well, he played a good uh, president too. Yeah. yeah, that fucking oh, yeah, the Netflix show. What was it called uh, House, of Cards. House, of Cards. House of Cards? Yeah, fucking great yeah. show. That was good. He's he played such a good creep. Mm. Oh my! Although they kind of jumped the shark when he started, like uh, uh, they started, uh, there was a threesome with a uh, Secret Service officer. Yeah, remember when they went to that far? Yeah, I thought, okay, it's time to switch and find a new series to watch. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, hey, do you mind if I if I do promote something? Sure, right. promote something. Um, We've been doing this a while. I have agreed to uh, uh, take over a podcast. Really? Or not. Take over a podcast. And here what it is. What is this? Here it is. This is your podcast? This is, it's coming up September now, 5th. this is something that someone else started and you're taking over? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if we can make this play. What if you had your own spy? 
Would you use them to keep tabs on the most important events happening around the world? Dun, dun, dun. Update you on exactly what you needed to know each morning so you could be smarter, more prepared, ahead of the curve. Meet CIA veteran Mike Baker. <laughs> Every day he'll be your personal intelligence officer, delivering insights and analysis once reserved for the President of the United States. The President's Daily Brief with Mike Baker. Get briefed. Stay ahead. Your briefings begin on September 5th. Who's Damn a, right. Who put this together? Uh, First TV. So, so it's it's available on uh, on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. Is it video as well? Uh, no, it's just going to be an audio. Okay, we may go to video at some point, but it's it's twenty minutes a day. It uh, oh okay. It it starts on the fifth of September, uh, every morning at six a.m. About twenty minutes, and all we're going to do. The reason I I, I I love this project is because. Like with the President's Daily Brief, right? It drops in the Oval Office every morning. It's very, as his name implies, it's very brief. Covers the top uh, issues around the globe uh, and provides a bit of context, and then that's it. And that's all the president gets, right? Just every morning to kind of get that, okay, here are the things going on that's that I need to pay attention to. they said that Trump wouldn't read unless his name was in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they would inject his name yeah. into stuff He's gonna to put get this to pay in attention? Here. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so you always get these different you know, uh, takes from the president, from every administration as to how they receive these things. But the idea is, yeah, 6 a.m. every morning, September 5th, President's Daily Brief, all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And the idea is we're just going to cover the top stories or concerns of the day, provide a little analysis and context. I'm not going to tell people how to think about it, right? There's enough you know, folks out there, all the, the pundits doing that. And then wrap it up, get on, and then and it allows people, but but every day. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. It starts out as, you know, it'll be an audio cast. Who knows where it'll go from there? Um, but it, it, uh, it took a brief hiatus, uh, went off the air back in, I think, in February. And I agreed to to start hosting it. So that's uh, great. It should be fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it and it, it you know again, it's informative. It's not uh, opinion driven. Have you spoken yeah. to any presidents? Uh, I have. Yes. Who have you spoken to? Uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. I will, and I will say this. Um, I was at a an event. Um, I forget where it was. It wasn't here. It wasn't in Austin. It might have been in Little Rock. It was a large gathering, and it was a dinner. <laughs> And um, at the end of it, uh, and, and also George Bush was there too, um, had a brief chance to talk with, with him. But with Bill Clinton, the, the, the striking thing was he came through the room, and, and I was just standing there talking to my wife and a couple others, and he came up, and he, uh, he stood there, and he looked at me, and he started talking to me about something that, that we had done when I was with the agency, and, uh, and he was president, an operation that we had done. And... You know, I, I don't. I don't think he knew I was going to be there or anything. But he stood there and started talking about this operation in in real detail. I mean, no sources and methods or things. But the recall was was surprising, and he was and he was adding context about why they had made you know some decisions from the White House that they did about what we were doing. And he kind of stood there. He had his hands on, on my arm. He was just he was just really focused on talking to the point where. The Secret Service at a certain point were kind of like, you know, getting antsy and saying, can we move on? You know, can we can we leave? But we, he kept talking. And I was uh, I always thought that, the, the, you know, uh, Clinton was he, yeah, he's smart. Right. And you, politics aside. Right. He's a smart guy. But he had this ability to uh, zero in on people. Right. And the thing that he had as a politician was not only could he make you feel like you were the only person in the room, but he 
he had this recall, the ability to talk about things in detail that, um, you know, left you realizing, okay, he was a smart dude. He was, you know, he was a bit of a wanderer, right? And, he, you know, he had his own issues. But uh, well, that's the case yeah. with a lot of smart dudes. Yeah. There's yeah. a motivation for their success, and a lot of times it's women. Yeah. Power yeah. in women. Right. You know, I mean, that has traditionally been the motivation of leaders. Yeah. Berlusconi. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Well, that's a different bunga one. bunga. Um, but uh, yeah, I, so that was that was a, that was a striking conversation uh, that I thought, um, and uh, I've actually got a photo of that. Was someone snapped a photo? He was talking, and he was just kind of really folks. Mm. And I was like, "What the hell are we talking about this for?" But right. I realized he was basically kind of bringing it back around to why they did something from the White House, mm-hmm. and that, he wanted to discuss it with you. And, yeah, and and I thought, okay, that's you know that. Yeah, that was that so was is that after he's out of office. Uh, yes, yeah, out yeah. of office. Yeah, and, I would love yeah. to talk to a president about what that experience. I mean, it's my main. If I had a question for Trump, that that's the, one of the big ones. Like, what is it like when you get in there? Like, what is it? What's the difference between perception and reality? What is the difference between your ideas of what what it's like when you get into the Oval Office? What it's like when you get debriefed yeah. because pretty much every politician has these plans. They all have these, these things that they say they're going to do. And then they get into office and very little of it happens. Yeah. Like yeah. why is that? And what is it like? I think they're fighting against the machine yeah. first of all. And you know, maybe they, they show up and they, they imagine, uh, I mean that, you know, they're going to accomplish whatever it is going to be that they're going to accomplish. But then I think the realities of Washington DC set in and I think that it's tougher now than it used to be. I mean, I think you, st- you and not to romanticize the past, but I think it used to be easier to get people into a room from, you know, both sides of the aisle and hammer out, you know, a platform or, or an idea or a bill or whatever it may be. And I think that's much more difficult now for people to do because it's so damn partisan. But, um, yeah, it is. It's it's a you know we had the good fortune of being in the White House a, a, a few times, and it's I can't imagine that it's not this overwhelming feeling when you go if if you're just elected right and you walk into the Oval Office, this overwhelming feeling of 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 responsibility you know and and even for somebody like Trump you know who probably you know I mean you know he probably sat down and thought of course I'm here you know and right. why wouldn't I be here but. But um, and then you're you know your 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 number one job is essentially to take a lot of shit that's happening, distill it down to you know the, its key points, and delegate, right? Because uh, yeah. there is such a machine around you, right? That that tries to plan every moment of your day. I think, and yeah. it is, you know, it's not unlike being a CEO of a Fortune 50 company, you know, where you've got a lot of plates spinning and you can't focus on all of them. So, which is a part of the, you know, look at me, part of the president's daily brief, the purpose of that that goes into the Oval Office is to try to keep uh, a focus on uh, sort of the national security issues that are at the top of the hit parade uh, in very short order, right? Because no matter how interested the president is, and look, uh, Bush, as an example, used to go through those things with a fine-tooth comb and ask question after question after question, right? Clearly, that, I don't think that was Trump style. Uh, I don't know what Biden does, right, in terms of, of that. But, um, you know, every president's a little bit different in how they receive information and process it. 
and then prioritize in their mind what's important. But behind you is a machine that, regardless of what you're thinking, is prioritizing concerns of the day, national yeah. security issues and military concerns and the economy and all the rest of it. Um, <clears throat> so at the end of the day, we maybe we, we put too much... Um, we, we imagine the president's got more uh, ability, right, to do things or to change things or to shape things than they actually do, right? Mm. So, not, again, not in any way to minimize the, the importance or the, the, the stress of that job. Right. But, yeah. Well, the stress of the job is unprecedented. Yeah. You watch the way it ages people. Except oh, him. Except Trump. <laughs> yeah. That motherfucker yeah. just... <laughs> like a yeah. duck to water. So, what do you think? Rah, rah. Is he is he is he getting the nomination? Is he going to be the yeah. guy? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. yeah, I was I was wrong before when we talked about this a while back. I don't think they could stop him. Yeah, I think the people that want Trump in office, they view the hypocrisy of this administration, the corruption, the open borders, the economy collapsing, the open checkbook to Ukraine. They view all this shit. They view all the clamping down on internal combustion engines, the the, the green shit, what they think that is going to kill the economy and, and, and centralize money into a few very powerful hands. Yeah. They, they don't buy it at all, and they think that he's their only solution. Does anybody from, from the GOP side, any of the candidates have a chance to take the nomination instead of Trump? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't see. I don't see who it would be. unless something horrible happens to him. That Vivek guy is very yeah. interesting. Yeah, he's very, he's very rational and very smart. He, he does seem to talk directly about the issues. Yeah, right? unlike some of the folks who are speaking more aspirational and talking about, you know, direction of the country, he does seem to focus more on these are the things we need to do specifically. He's right? also clearly very, very intelligent. Like superior intelligence. Like when, when you hear him discuss nuanced issues, he also has very good emotional intelligence because I've seen him not just challenged but disparaged on radio shows and podcasts, and he handles things very, very well. And that discussion with him was what got Don Lemon removed from CNN because yeah. Don Lemon and him went at it. I think he's, uh, but he's very young too. Like, would people want a 37 year old guy running the entire country, even if it's yeah. a, a truly exceptional mind? And ex truly exceptional person, which which I, I think he is. Well, this may be this may be the cycle, right? Meaning, the, sort of this this Biden. I mean, if Biden ends up, is do you think that's the second part of the question? Do you think Biden's going to be the guy? I don't think so. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think yeah. it's probably going to be fucking Mr. California. Really? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Gavin Newsom. I think they're probably going to try to whitewash all the failures of California. And all the disastrous policies and just view him as the most uh, presidential of the leftist progressive candidates. And keep Kamala Harris as the VP? No way. No. Not a chance in yeah. hell. I think she steps down. I think uh, if I had a guess, something comes up. Yeah. 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 She doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, he, he has a better choice. They find her another position. You know, she decides that she would better serve somewhere else, something, something. I just don't imagine that they wouldn't see her as a massive liability. Yeah. Oh, I think they do. I mean, I think that. Yeah. This, but she, as long as Biden's the candidate, right? She's the VP on the ticket. Right? Unless something horrible happens with her, right? Yeah. Some sort of scandal or some sort of thing, or you know, look, they removed Andrew Cuomo when just a couple months before he was the darling of the Democratic Party. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they just decided that he was too much of a liability, and so they, they went after him. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not sure how. I don't know that the parties got what it takes to come out without without an incident, right? Without something, and, you know, yeah, you hate to say anything about anybody's health, but, you know, without something on a health perspective happening with Biden. Well, the, the health perspective has already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's super clear at this point. I mean, people are giving me shit about saying it in 2020. It's super clear that he's got, like, real mental problems. Like, whatever they are, whether it's dementia, which is pure old age, whatever it is. Like, yeah. there's... He's got, I mean, when he closes his eyes, that's when everybody goes into a panic. When he's like, no, oh, I know. But look, but look at what we've got. We've got, we've got him doing that. Right? Yeah. And then he whispers. The, thing, the part with his presentation that always drives me yeah. crazy is when he whispers, get vaccinated. It's Bidenomics. It's yeah. working. Yeah. And you think, like, okay, just, stop doing that. It's, well, it's, he's yeah. just a goof. He's always been a goofy guy. But, but you've got that. You've got Mitch McConnell. You know, mm-hmm. kind of fading out, you know, having, apart, almost having a mini stroke yeah. during his speech the, yeah, that one time up. in front of the press. And well, then, they're so old. Yeah. Have These you seen Feinstein so is still yeah. there? Yeah. Feinstein is still there. She's well, handed over control. She's, you know, like said, my daughter has control of my, you know, business and everything yeah. and conservatorship or whatever. But I'm staying here until 2025. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. So, and yeah, it's just it's such a fucking strange time. It's so strange. And so, that, so maybe somebody like Vivek says, I'm going to sit this one out. I mean, that, that would be the, to me, that would be the smart thing. If you've got aspirations and you've got the ability, but you're young, you think, maybe I'll just let the whole system reboot right now because this Biden-Trump thing is just so Well, bizarre. Trump could choose him yeah. as a VP, and I think he would be a formidable VP. If Trump runs with him as a VP, I think that's a massive asset. I really do. Yeah, I think because that guy, you could see him in four years being the president. He's so rational and intelligent. When I listen to him talk, I'm like, that's what I want from a president. I want a level-headed, super intelligent, rational person who has had a massive amount of success in the real world, who decides to enter into the politics politics because he thinks that he can serve in a meaningful way and he thinks that he can impart change in a meaningful way. At least that's what I'm getting from him in my most rose-colored glasses view of the world. <laughs> but does that what... I don't know if that's what the voters want, right? Because, again... Well, he would balance yeah, out yeah. what people don't like about Trump. Yeah. With the, this bombastic personality. Yeah. But but also, like, you got to give credit to the guy because that bombastic personality really did expose the deep state. It really did expose all this corruption and that's geared all the fucking Russia collusion. The fact that the media was completely on board with that, that there's been no apologies. that This was all bullshit. There's so much of that, that he exposed because of the fact that he fights tooth, claw and nail. The fact, the fact that he won't back down and then he gets it and he, you know, literally goes after the intelligence community, which is, you know, obviously, from your perspective, is a terrible idea. Well, no, it's not a terrible idea if you're going after for, you know, for um, for certain individuals politicizing, because that can never happen. That's a death knell for any intelligence organization, as far as I'm concerned, or a federal law enforcement organization like the bureau. Right. right? You, so, you should always you, you should always be on the lookout for that. I have no problems with 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 that at all. Um, but I, I, you know, my point is always with with uh, at least with the organization that I know. Um, it's not the it's not the body of the organization, right? You get individuals yes. who are become enamored of their their access or the, you know their 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 the power or the closeness to the, the policies, or they let their 
personal agenda take over, that's a real danger, and you can never let that happen. And 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 so that's what I think know. people need to understand when they talk disparagingly about the intelligence community. And that, in my opinion, my personal opinion is, is most of these people are patriots. Mm-hmm. And that there are people that get into positions of power in every single organization, no matter what it is, where they abuse that power and those people become corrupt. Yeah. yeah. And this has happened in every business, I'm sure every branch of government. It's, I'm sure it happens everywhere. But yeah, that doesn't it does. mean that the intelligence communities are unnecessary. No, that, you don't. Yeah. That, that would be like saying, okay, uh, you know, the, the CEO of a company has got a certain political agenda. And so, like with BlackRock, you know, I, I mean, maybe, you know, the, the head of it is like enamored with, um, you know, whatever it was, equity and inclusion. Inclusion. And governance. And, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah and governance. And, um, and so the whole organization is bad, right? right? Well, okay, probably not everybody there thinks that way, right? But, you know, all it takes is a, as a handful at the top level on the seventh floor or wherever the organization is, and and that's a problem. So you you defeat that in part by having a very proactive, curious, uh, uh, you know, uh, government, right, with the proper committees and the intel, you know, committees that are up on Capitol Hill as an example, that ask all those important questions and that demand answers and that aren't so hyper-partisan that they refuse to you know, pursue the obvious, right? And, you know, look, the lack of self-awareness is, is shocking. When you get people like Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin, you know, saying things like, well, this this look at the Biden finances is, you know, it's bullshit, it's purely political. And Raskin and, and, and Schiff and, and, and others spent years, right, getting in front of the cameras and just spewing bullshit about the Russian collusion story. Right? Yeah. And, and And yet the fact that they don't see it because they're so partisan and they don't understand. Look, the important thing here is it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. You know, everybody should be subject to the same uh, uh, concerns and, and behavior and, and scrutiny, right? Uh, but, it, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't know how you walk it back. I don't know how we get back to some level of normal, right? And I don't think we're going to see that during the course of this election cycle, Right. This is going to be a this is going to be a shit show. Yeah. Right? So it's going to be a shit show, especially with the indictments. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And 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 I don't think there's any more coming down the pike. So I think these four are it. But you know that D.C. indictment is that's definitely a political document, right? They, I haven't had a chance to go through the the, the Georgia indictment in, in full. Um, but the race that they all have, right, in trying to get these things out there in, in the time frame that they are. You know, would seem to indicate that they've got a political motivation yeah. here. Make this last through the election cycle. You know, screw over to the degree they can what they view as the top challenger, um, and and let it go. And they don't seem to care about the public's perception of how that looks. Right, so. and that's a dangerous precedent to set because if that happens, what's to stop some authoritarian Republican from utilizing the same methods? to go after people in your group right once the precedent's been set yeah no there is there's nothing and that's you know and then you get you get into banana you know republic territory so yeah uh but again i think you know yeah i would be hard-pressed to imagine biden's going to end up uh going all the way through the whole process you know securing all the delegates you know running winning i mean i just i don't think they want him to i really don't think they want him to but they've got another option is michelle obama that keeps getting bandied around I'm not sure uh, if she even wants to have anything to do with that. 
I, I, you know, she's in one of those positions, right? It's like Oprah Winfrey. People say, well, Oprah Winfrey should run. Well, the fuck oh, she should. Yeah, I mean, well, I know, but what I mean is when they say that, you think, well, she's kind of, she enjoys this position of being loved by lots of people. Mm-hmm. And why would, and so Michelle Obama, she's in sort of that sweet spot, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it's Michelle Obama. You know, as soon as you put yourself in that, that arena right right? then the hate comes out yeah shit comes at you fast and you don't need it no i mean they've made enough money yeah (laughs) how are they all doing that how are how are all these people making this money crazy mike it's crazy i don't know i don't get it either seems weird on a four hundred thousand dollar a year salary yeah or you're worth hundreds of millions or you look at the senators right yeah how's that working and and so crazy the fucking just the insider trading how is that still legal well and and what is it a senator's salary is in like the i think the low 200,000s or something like that maybe mm. I, I i forget but um yeah my 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 experience has been you don't become a multimillionaire you know doing that unless you've got you're really savvy. Shenanigans. Picking stocks, right? Yeah, and I'm sitting in a committee, and I hear somebody talk about a new program that's going to be developed to develop a new type of propulsion system. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, right. that's how it goes. <laughs> that's right. That's, how it, that's goes. how it goes. Yeah, hey, I want you to have this, man. This is this oh. is the easiest, simplest lighter you'll ever find. It's oh, a wow. Zippo. Um, Thank you. And, uh, it's a CIA lighter. It's a CIA Good, lighter. I could bring this around my paranoid friends that already think that I'm a CIA operative. <laughs> And it's not a transmitter in that. I don't want you to think that this. I'm going to give that to Bravo. He'll fucking bury it in the ground. Yeah, there's no transmitter in that lighter, Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Let's do it again in a few months, and hopefully the world's not glowing. I hope so, man. And tell us uh, more about your podcast, and I'm sure it's going great. Oh, yeah. President's Daily Brief, September 5th, starts on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. Listen for it. Good luck with that. Thank Thank you, Thank you. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, Joe. Bye, everybody.